Face front, true believers. This is Modular Media's No Prize Podcast, a uh, podcast where we talk Marvel movies, comics, merchandise, and more. I am your host, Chris Boingo Ryder Gasson, and with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host. Representing the distinguished competition, the Vacuminator. And we here. have uh, another co-host today. Hey, why don't you say your name? Hey, from the imaginative competition, it's the Buster Corp person. Hey, you remember? We're, we like dumb branding. You know the gimmick. Way to go, kid. <laughs> uh, but we're in a two-week lull between Loki and What If. So in the meantime, me and Vac came up with an idea. Vac would come up with a pitch for basically how he would run DC Comics. And then I would come up with a pitch of how I would run Marvel Comics. Last week, Vat gave his pitch out to me, and I asked questions responsibly. I hope I asked some good questions back. I didn't I didn't ask that at the time. It was a good time. All right. Um, this week, I'm doing Marvel, but uh, Buster's here to listen to my Marvel pitch as well. And uh, we're also going to explain some of the, the kind of the ideas of the rules. There's no rules. It's just more of like... What we're kind of doing, because essentially this, the idea is if we were to go right now, I were to be the head of Marvel, the head of Marvel Comics, what would I do? How would I do it? All that kind of stuff. Basically, you guys... tomorrow you win the lottery and you decide <laughs> to spend it all on buying Marvel from Disney. Um, see, I want to do a little different thing with that. So hold on. Ooh. So Buster, you and Vac are basically going to be the writers and the editors asking questions of like, okay, so what about this? What about this? Can we do this? Is this a thing that we got to think about? That kind of thing. So uh, should I begin? Do we have any preamble questions that we should tackle first? So yes. is there going to be like a reboot? We'll get to that. Vac? Does Magic get a solo series? She can, technically, sure. Eventually. Oh, yeah, another question. Yeah. Does uh, Gwenpool Does get a solo? Gwenpool get a solo series? Gwenpool doesn't get a solo, but I do have a thing with Gwenpool, and I hope you guys will like it. Okay, one oh. last question. Yes? Does Nadia Van Dyne get a solo series? You know what? I'll just spoil it right now for you. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> I hope you like the idea for it. Okay, so I'm going into this idea of I can't... Marvel is as Marvel is right now, which is a subsidiary of Disney. Okay. So what is Marvel Comics? Marvel Comics is the R&D development part department. They are there for brand management, IP development, uh, IP rejuvenation. It's there to kind of go like, all right, we have a bunch of ideas. Let's just do things with them to have a bunch of building blocks that video games and toys and TV shows and movies can build things off of. That's it's what it is. NXT of the MCU. Exactly. It's NXT, but it's but it's NXT the way Triple H wants NXT to be, where it's <laughs> where it's real, it's valuable, it's understood. And the reason why it's being done through comics and not through cartoons or anything else is because comics are a relatively cheap medium to to, to work through this. You know, it's also sorry for wrestling references, Buster. No, no, no. I, I kind I kind of get it what NXT is, although I don't really get it. But I, I do get what you mean by like you know comics are like the, the they're the lore builders, if you will. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the comics are the similarian. To uh, the movies, Lord of the Rings movies. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. Uh, So that's the core idea of what Marvel is. So a lot of this pitch is based around the idea of, okay, we need to 
have places where we can make new characters, places where we can bring back old characters. C and D listers, we need to make them A listers. A listers, we need to give them new interesting stories to deal with. We need to have them interact in different ways. And the big thing, we need to have stories that aren't just wham bam superhero shit. Hmm. We need to expand what Marvel Comics can be. So essentially, you want to see more books that go, you can't tackle this problem just by punching it. Exactly. So you kind of want to go back to like kind of the, the initial mission statement of Marvel? To an extent, like, there, there is some influence from every era of Marvel. And when I mean every era, I mean every era of Marvel mm-hmm. comics. There is a little bit of things that kind of, oh, I like you, oh, I like you, let me bring you up to speed. I'm very excited to see where the Heroes Reborn bit comes in. I didn't get there. I, did, I didn't do that. I did other things. <laughs> You're trying to go like, why are you doing that? Like, trust me. There's some bits of that. So overall, we're going to, there's going to be a major structural change to how Marvel works. Uh, because books are going to be grouped in like categories. Mutants, Street, Avengers, Magic with a C, Cosmic, and other. We will get to other. Other is very important. Oh. Okay. Each group has one major team book, which is kind of like core characters and other characters that fit that theming as like guest characters to kind of have a rotating cast of several people that you can just go like, oh, hey, have you seen this guy? Here's some cool things they do. Basically, Bringing C&D listers, giving them some rub, giving them some things to do, put them in an arc, have something to go off of. I think I know what most of those books would be, just going off of titles that already exist, but I'm struggling to think what the the one for the magic corner would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna hate me for it. Oh, no. Hate me in a good way. Okay. Okay. Okay, so... Each group is headed by a a main editor who kind of helps all the other editors and a main creative lead. This is a person who's writing one of the books, who's trusted within Marvel, who's really good at what they do, really good at creation, all that kind of stuff. Kind of not telling what the other writers should do, but kind of helping lead the general group on theme and idea, major overarching ideas, that kind of thing. So very much the uh, the same kind of thing I was saying should be done with my DC pitch, and also what Marvel is just doing right now with X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah, just do what X-Men does. Just all the groups. All the groups basically have a Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, just gonna ask that. A Jonathan Hickman in every house! <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're just gonna clone them? Yeah. yeah. Now, real quick, I'll just go right ahead and say I don't have any writers specific for any book. Okay. So we can just kind of go like, okay, that person would work on this book. That could, person could work on that book. But it's never – there's no concrete things. I have some ones that I go like, I definitely want this person. But there's a bunch of indie artists and writers that we can go like, hey, do you want to do a Marvel book? Just one book. There's a bunch of in-house people that we could go like, hey, you want two or three books? It's very much more of like – who wants to work on these ideas? Who wants to work on these characters? That kind of thing. Okay. So this is not a major reboot. We're not doing anything major to continuity because the main thing about Marvel is it's hard to go like, hey, reboot. Because it's been going on since the 30s. No, the 40s. Mm-hmm. Marvel Comics has been continuous since the very first publication of the company that would eventually become Marvel. And isn't it like sliding time scale? So everything technically happened five years ago. 
roughly like Right now, it's Clone Saga is roughly five years ago to give you an idea of scale. And what? And when we were in the Clone Saga, what was roughly five years ago then? I think just coming out of high school. Mm, okay, so, so like, like that's kind of an idea of scale. It's not perfect, and it's not perfect for every character, but it's like roughly about that. And anybody who was in World War II was in World War II. We cannot change that. The only other thing that is kind of like that is the Punisher. He was in Vietnam. That's 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 the war he was in. You cannot change that. That's going to get to be a problem with the Punisher pretty soon, isn't it? Oh no 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 no! They de-aged him because of Frankencastle. Oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah. So we're good for there. I know very little about the Punisher. <laughs> okay, so you guys know roughly Marvel continuity. Galactus is over here. All the heroes, kind of just vague Marvel, mm-hmm. yeah. as far as you know right now. Okay, X Men still going as they are right now. Just keep that in the back of your head. Here, excuse me. Here are some major status quo changes I kind of want to make for Marvel. The first one is the Avengers and the Fantastic Four learn that Uatu is alive. They haven't talked to him. They haven't met him. They don't know what's going on with him. They just know he's alive, and that's a question that they're going to go on, like, okay, what's going on here? Wait, so Owatu died? Owatu died in a terrible event called Original Sin, and then Nick Fury took over for him, and just oh. recently Owatu came back and killed Nick Fury. No, Nick Fury's his agent. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I keep yeah. getting oh, that oh, mixed I completely up. forgot about that, like, Nick Fury took over Owatu or something. yeah, yeah. Uh, the next major one is Doom has finally com- completed his Latveria projects, and has basically ceded some power to the people of Latveria. Not completely, but he's given some democratic control, some factories he's given to worker ownership. Uh, because regional he, governors. Yeah, regional governors. Area of Latveria is, is self-governed to an extent. Doom is still in control, but Doom goes like, you know what? You know who's the best people in the world? Latverian people. You know what? They're smart. I've I gave education. I've uh, I've like given all these people the like they are capable of like ruling themselves to an extent. Also, he's got better stuff to do than micromanaging all of that, like beating up Johnny Storm for fucking his fiance. Yeah. So because of that, Latveria is now a major economic and cultural hub. Emphasis on culture because basically Latveria is there a in anime. What? Is there a yeah. Latvarian anime? There's Latvarian animation industry. <laughs> it's the best yeah. animation industry in the world. Everybody gets paid a great wage. Oh my god. This is a mere... There's no wonder this is a fictional universe. There's just like... In in a panel where we're seeing a bunch of media from Latvaria... Or like a page where it's a montage of a bunch of different media out of Latvaria now. You just see the Trash Taste Boys in Marvel continuity. But uh, essentially... Okay, you know how Berlin was in the 80s and the 70s where, like, rock stars and pop stars loved to go to Berlin and meet music and record, and there was a bunch of visual artists and craft work and all this, all that kind of music and art and culture? That's Latveria right now. I literally, the only stuff I know about Berlin from around that time is how much of a pain in the ass the wall was. Yeah. David Bowie did several albums in Berlin. Um, okay, like, it was a major cultural center. Uh, for the world. And I'm talking like West Berlin, not East Berlin. West Berlin is that kind of thing. Okay. So like any artist who's any artist in the world goes to Latveria to record their project. The best instruments are made in Latveria. Like mm. some of the some of those groundbreaking art films are filmed in Latveria. Martin like, Scorsese fucking loves Latveria. Martin like it, it it is 
artsy as fuck. It's not, it is nowhere near popcorn films. It's, it's not the stuff we like. It is like art, <laughs> smell the fart art. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's like, it's important culturally in that way. Also, I love that, that phrase there. I kind of want that on a t-shirt, smell the fart art. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this one's, a, this is very, very like, mm, I want this just because I think it'd be cool. United States, Japan, and other countries have realized, have basically realized we can't control heroes. We tried to do it with the Superhero Registration Act. We tried to do our make our own heroes. It has failed on us time and time again. So they've decided, fuck it, we're going to build giant robots. Okay. So Pacific Rim is happening too? Pacific Rim. They're smaller than that. Think like six stories. Oh. Like Pat Labor, Gundams, smaller Gundams. Like and it's just. Yeah, kind of like that, but it's like it's to be a checks and balances against the heroes. Is Tony involved with this at all? Tony's designs have been ripped off. Hammer is the one doing it in America. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, will this yeah. lead to any event? It can lead to events. It's just more of like a concept of like you know how there was the the there was super villain prisons. It's just kind of a general concept. People are doing it, so it's a thing that can be in play for people to tell stories. Oh, okay. World so maybe Armor like a Wars. mini? Like a yeah, mini that could be a th- Armor Wars could be a thing. It's just, it's a general, like, they're doing it. It can be a thing that can be in play. It could be a thing that just fizzles out and nobody touches it. It, it. It's just a thing that can be done. Okay. Uh, Doctor Strange is alive because fuck killing him. Ignore that uh, solicitation. He's alive. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that later. Yay. Um, and he has decided to create something called the Order of the Supreme. We will get to what that is in a bit. And finally, Kamala's Law is loosened with a learner's permit. It limits what, what teens can do, teen heroes oh, can wait, do. Wait, wait, wait. Buster, oh. do you not know about Kamala's Law? I have not read any of Marvelous Miss Marvel. Okay, Kamala's Law is basically a law in America that basically outlaws teen superheroes because people, like... Kamala Kamala Khan got hurt, even though and people found out Kamala Khan was Miss Marvel, and so well she she was unconscious in the hospital for like a couple months, and senators took advantage of that to be like, look what happens when teenagers become superheroes. This is fucking dangerous. No teenage superheroes anymore, and so now all the teenage superheroes are outlaws. Basically, like if a teenage superhero is around a, a a main superhero. They can do some superhero stuff. They're not allowed to fight. They're allowed to help with damage and that kind of stuff. So sidekicks are a thing now in Marvel. Yeah, but it's also like everybody hates it. So it still keeps that sidekicks don't belong in Marvel kind of idea. So it's like, this is wrong. Like, all these teen heroes are helping out and they're happy at least. They're they're not getting in trouble by saving civilians. But like, they're going like, I could kick that guy's ass in like five minutes. Why do I have to wait for fucking Tony Stark? Okay. Uh, Kamala's out doing stuff with Carol, and she's just like, this is fucking bullshit. And Carol's like, yeah, I know, but let's, just until the cameras go away, let's play along. Right, right, right. So that's that's the major overarching big status quo changes. That's So right off the bat, I want to say I'm really impressed with you for not redoing the marriage. Oh, no, no, that's, that's a minor status quo change in Spider-Man that's very dependent on the person who's doing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first things first. Let's just get the mutant band-aid off the thing. If I'm taking over Marvel, we're just keeping it as it is. Just let Jonathan Hickman do his thing. Nice. Uh, if I have to, if I have to make any changes, um, 
Wolverine and Rogan Gambit will get well, a thing I'll explain in a minute called a seasonal series. And I'll explain. I'll explain what a seasonal series. The next one goes into it pretty good. Uh, and then uh, just a mini. It's an idea I've had for an X-Men. A bunch of mutants that have not necessarily the big flashy fighting powers work together and put on a mutant play in Krakoa. It's very slice of life, very kind of just looking at mutant life through a more positive lens, less combat, less drama, and just more of like everybody working together to make something cool. You want the slice of life anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do a big, long series about it, but like a mini, yeah, this is a fine little fun mini. It it gets people on board with some of the cider characters. Remember, make C and D list characters, give them something to do, give them more prominence. This could be a great place to do that with a bunch of characters that a lot of people don't know a ton about, especially in an environment where it shows off their personality. So first things first, the street level heroes. My, My bread and butter, so I'm excited. This focus is on, not necessarily, this focus on New York heroes. Other books can take place in New York. But these are characters that are, like, really focused in on New York, on the ground, lower-level heroes, that kind of thing. They live and operate in New York. So first things first, the team book is The Defenders. Obvious choice. Yeah. Uh, The main team is Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones. And they're basically the heroes for hire. So it can be Defenders, Heroes for Hire, Heroes for Hire. You kind of flip and go around it depending on what you want to do. So overall, this book is a crime drama with one part political epic. A bunch of the crime families are aiming for control of New York. Some heroes are carving out specific areas that are theirs, and the Defenders get to play Peacemaker. Okay. Okay. The big idea is to put the shine on smaller C and D list bad guys. Bring them up some. Uh, examples are like the Enforcers, the Wrecking Crew, the Trapster, Stilt Man, the Superior Foes. Yeah, but it's focused on like these kind of things, and other heroes can show up as a rotating cast. Spider Man can show up and go like, "Hey guys, I want to help out," you know that kind of thing. Uh, Daredevil, just keep doing what you're doing, Chip Zdarsky. I love you. <laughs> uh, because uh, which is basically right now, just so people know what it is. Uh, Matt Murdock is in jail as Daredevil. He was tried and convicted as Daredevil and didn't reveal his identity. And Elektra is currently Daredevil in his place. Okay. It's really good. It is really fucking good. Also, Matt Murdock's twin brother is posing as him, uh, stirring up trouble with a bunch of gangs. Uh, Okay, what's with Chip Zdarsky and twins? Well, Matt Murdock already... Uh, that okay. Matt Murdock does not have a twin. It was ide- It was fucking playoff bullshit, and now they've given him an actual twin with dimensional fucky fucking magic. It's, I was, not, I was referring to like Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man because I read I read a few issues of that and like, like yeah. Oh, speaking of Spider-Man, my Spider-Man book because basically, but I I'd imagine by the time uh, I'd get in there, Sinister War would wrap up. Pretty standard Spider-Man story. The major thing about the Spider-Man story is the three Peter Parker clones, Peter Parker, Ben Riley, and Kane Parker, all just like go like, why are we being assholes to each other? And why are we avoiding this? We're just brothers now. And they take turns patrolling New York. Peter oh, takes yeah. wholesome, take- wholesome fucking Robin bro shit. I'm yeah, here yeah. for it. Peter Parker takes two days, Kane takes two days, Ben Riley takes two days, and Miles gets one day because he's still in school and he needs to focus on his grades. So would this be like Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends book? Would you title it that? More of like a family thing. It's more, it, Okay, think this is us, but superheroes. Okay. 
title of title of the book, The Amazing Spider-Man. Very much Ooh. so, yeah. So right now, Peter Parker isn't in a major job. He is a maker slash inventor for smaller time heroes. You know how like the Avengers always go to Reed Richards he's for a good guy big... tinkerer? Yeah, he's good guy tinkerer. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to why that's also really cool. And the Iron Man pitch I have later. Ooh. Okay. Ben is a photographic journalist. He he tells his photos anywhere he can, but he's a photographic journalist and a damn good one. Like he's really close to Pulitzer. He's like that kind of thing. And he, his main subject is capturing the marvels of New York superheroes. It's that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Cute. Well, that's a, that's been a thing in Marvel forever, calling the heroes the marvels. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I figured, but still cute. <laughs> Kane is the official Spider Family liaison to the Avengers. Kane's on the Avengers. Kane's not the official. Not Kane's not on the Avengers, but like the, the Avengers go like, "Hey, man, we need a Spider Person." Kane goes like, "All right, who's available?" Okay, I like Peter. You're good. Go to the Avengers. They need our help. Okay. So, like, think of Sp- the Spider Family as, like, a team unto themselves. Kane's the person who's going between them and the Avengers. Okay, because he has a lot of battle experience, that kind of thing. Other Spider Fan characters are kind of adopted into the Spider Family. Uh, Aunt May knows they're all Spider People. Mary Jane knows them all. Like, it's it's a known secret between all of them. It's just a thing. Okay? So, like, any other Spider character, they can show up. Black Widow? Fuck it, why not? Spider Woman? Yeah, sure. Other Spider Woman? Robinson? Yeah, Robbie. And, like any Spider fam, like any character that has been very heavily featured in the Spider-Man books, is kind of like de facto a Parker now. They're just okay. accepted into the family. Here's my big question. Okay, how much Spider Verse fuckery? Very little. It can happen, but it's like once in a blue moon. You're you're like you're like allowed one Spider Verse s character a year, and it so, can't be big so, multi-dimensional stuff. So so Gwen and Miles aren't dating. No. Gwen's off doing multidimensional fuckery. Miles is in New York. He is basically the Parker's intern. Mm. They're showing him the Spider-Man ropes. They're keeping an eye on him, keeping him safe, but they're letting him be Spider-Man on his own. And because he's in a full mask, no one ever knows he's not really a full adult. They think he's a, they don't know he's a teenager. So he kind of skirts Camilla's law a little. So, so it's like a YouTube internship as opposed to a big business internship. Yeah, they're helping him out with all that kind of stuff. Uh, The main story about this kind of starts with a big alternate dimension story where the three Parker bros and Teresa Parker all get kind of transported to an alternate dimension where they are actually brothers and they kind of get like the, oh, we can be a family kind of thing, kind of like just introduced to them. They get some of the memories so they can have like an actual childhood together to an extent. They get back. Arcs are punctuated with family dinners at the uh, at the May Parker house. Sounds cute. Now, what I'm confused is, how are these books split apart? Like, does Miles get a solo? Does who this get, is just who... Spider Man in general? Uh, because Miles Morales is gonna get like a book in a bit. So okay, so this is just like Amazing Spider Man. So yeah, this, this is, is just... like rotating Spider Man with rotating creative teams. It can be. It's more of a creative team working on all the books. Like, instead of just one writer, it's three writers working on all the books. Uh, like, because Spider-Man's, like, a weekly or semi-weekly title right now. It's a writer's room for a TV show. Yeah. So, like, one person will write three books, another person will write the next three books, another person will write the next three books. That kind of idea. Yeah, like, most yeah. episodes of Breaking Bad say that the creator wrote them. 
But in interviews, he always goes out of his way to be like, really, every we were just pitching ideas for like a day and a half, and then I wrote all of them down in sequence. Yeah, yeah, But that's kind of uh, just the general idea between all. Yeah, do you have like a writer in mind for Spider-Man? Because, you know, he's one of the big heroes at Marvel. Uh, I know one of them I would like to be Chip Zdarsky, just because he writes a really damned good Spider-Man. Yeah, life story, man. Um, I'm... I am not upset with Nick Spencer on Spider-Man. I just think if he had other people bouncing ideas around too, it'll pick up its pace a little bit because that's a big major problem with Nick Spencer's. Uh, and I don't really know who else I would put onto it, but I think like getting a really good indie creator on board, like someone who who's done a couple miniseries, really good at like dialogue, basically find the next um, uh, Michael Bendis without making Michael like going to get Michael Bendis. You know what I'm saying? Bendis is at DC, so I yeah, don't yeah. think he'll be able to go back. He's stuck right. in the uh, in the what's the what's the word? He's stuck Phantom in the negative zone. zone right now. Yeah. All right, time to get to the new major concept I have: seasonal series books. Okay. A seasonal series book is about like a six-issue series that happens every year. Oh. So it's a regularly occurring mini of a character and a group of creatives. That just happens every year, like a TV season. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's one one to six issues. And unlike a mini where it's just like, that's it, you know, they, 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 there's possibilities for more later. Kind of like, uh, I forget who it is. Oh, Eternals. Eternals just wrapped up. And then the same writer is doing another Eternals mini in a couple months. Yeah, like that, or like uh, Venom in the 90s. But, like, with time in between. Let it breathe. And you do this partially to deal with characters that have a fan base, but it's not a huge fan base that you risk a lot of money by not having a, by having an ongoing. So basically this is your response to me last week going, we don't need Green Arrow and Aquaman to have books because their fans only care that they have books, not that there's right. great stories happening. To an extent, yeah, because a similar thing happens with Moon Knight. Moon, pe- people who read the Moon Knight love when there's a Moon Knight book. But there doesn't need to be an ongoing for Moon Knight. But a yearly graphic novel of Moon Knight that's pretty kind of guaranteed? Yes. Because then, instant, like, here's just a issue, here's a thing of Moon Knight you can read and check out. Dope. Okay. okay, now question. Would these be released weekly or, like, each issue weekly? And then, like, you know, we take the break and then we next year we do another six issues weekly? Uh, Six issues over, like, maybe, like, six months, maybe three months. That kind of thing. Okay, because, like, the idea, like, I had was, like, okay, you, you just prepare all six issues in advance. Like, you know, like, you make it, like, a complete story, and then you Polish just... Polish it up as much as you can ahead yeah, yeah. of time. Like, yeah. Depending on the creative and how you want to do it, you could do it with any way with that kind of thing. But, like, with Moon Knight, just do what they're doing right now, but just have a beginning, middle, and end for that. And then next year, come back with a brand new Moon Knight story. Pretty mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. Uh, Champions is also a book that, that would be under here, because also... It, you can find in teenage drama and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, Champions is focused on the tri-state area, so New York, New Jersey, that kind of area. Uh, they are de- basically dealing with Marvel versions of real-world problem. Uh, Champions are very much for focused on helping out protesters and that kind of stuff. Partially because of Kamala's Law, partially because that's they're teenagers and that's what they're involved in. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this was the real world, they'd be at Black Lives Matter protests helping out but you got to come up with comic book versions of stuff like that. Yeah. Unless you're static shock. 
Yeah, I mean, sex shock. Sex shock's kind of an inspiration because I started reading that. And I'm I mean, that, that is also a lot of G. Willow Wilson's Miss Marvel is mm -hmm. doing stuff like that with Kamala. Um, and speaking of Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel book, give her that kind of thing because Miss Marvel can kind of peter out if, but having it every once in a while, go like, oh, I haven't had Miss Marvel. Oh, new Miss Marvel book. That kind of thing. Uh, okay. Uh, the first kind of mini I have uh, an idea of is basically maybe just have her really dealing with the guilt of being the reason for Kamala's law. Just kind of like really recognizing that and kind of dealing with other teenage superheroes going like, you're kind of an asshole. Yeah. She's like, I didn't have a fucking choice in this. It's not like I gave them a licensing deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that kind of vibe. Um, now, these are things that are definitively minis. These are mini series that can be a thing, all that kind of stuff. And if they're popular, then you can turn them into uh, seasonal minis, seasonal series. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. They're pilots. But they're also just like one and done's good and, uh, good for what they are. Uh, this is the book that basically kind of breaks the earlier definition for what Street is. The Punisher. The Punisher is in Tampa. That's the book. Okay. Either either Tampa or Jacksonville. He's in Florida. I just love the Punisher in Florida. The Punisher versus Florida, man. Yeah. It, it's dank. It's disgusting. It's that kind of texture, that kind of tone. It works for Punisher. Um, another one is Sleepwalker. Ooh. Do something. Do, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just everybody else is thinking that. I kind of know who Sleepwalker is, but Jesus Christ, dude. I know. I know. But re remember, <laughs> a major part of this is elevating C and D list characters, giving them something, making them known, making them, it's stirring up the water, making sure everybody knows who these characters are so they can deal with them and play with them in the future. So Sleepwalker, um, you basically kind of have to reboot him to an extent because you've done all the Sleepwalker stories you could, uh, turn him into Jojo. Okay. <laughs> Sleepwalker, okay, because the way Sleepwalker works in the comics like Jojo, is- Jojo, Jojo? No, no, like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh. Because the way Sleepwalker has worked in the comics is the per he is an interdimensional creature who lives in the brain of a dude, and he can only come out when that dude is asleep. You change up the system, he can come out now whenever the dude is there right there. They work together to fight other people who have a similar situation of interdimensional creature and dude. And they have fun, big, goofy back, uh, adventures, battles in New York. So it's kind of like Firestorm. Yeah, but it's just kind of more like... It's non-heroic superhero action because Sleepwalker's right there, but no one can see him. The dude looks like a dude. He's not a superhero. He's a dude with a fucking psychic power. Okay. Okay. Um, Cloak and Dagger, because why not have a Cloak and Dagger mini? Because they're fun characters. They had a TV show. They might want to do more with them. Uh, Cloak and Dagger open up and set up a homeless teen center. And they're, they're fighting pimps and drug dealers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, wasn't there, wasn't there a whole thing like an allegory for substance abuse back heroin. in the day? It oh, was okay. it was experimental heroin. That's how they got their powers. Fucking comics, man. Like, question, has any of you seen that Cloak and da Dagger Freeform series? No. That's why I'm kind of going like, Cloak, they are in the public consciousness, so why not play with them some? I've read one issue of, I think it was the first Cloak and Dagger miniseries. And then, like, my only other relation to them is I almost bought the Marvel Legends of them multiple times because I was just like, they're Spider-Man characters and they look kind of neat. Yeah, but, but a simple story, we can be one and done, but if people like it, we can do more. There's more story you can tell with that. Yeah. And the final one, as a pilot, because I'm not sure how some people would respond to one part of it, is Miles Morales and the Slingers. 
The slingers? <laughs> okay, I need to explain the slingers. Back to you know what the slingers are? Sort of, kind of. Okay, so Miles leads a ragtag group known as the slingers. The slingers are a team from the 90s that were all made up of a variety of alternate superheroes Peter Parker created to clear Spider-Man's name of murder. So it's so a bunch of... It's, a, it's the fucking Spider-Man Return of Superman gang. Yes. <laughs> like, it's brand new characters, it's brand new people in the identities, and Miles Morales is leading them. And it's, it's kind of like, a, all right, here, Miles, here's a test of your leadership. How, how much of a hero are you? That kind of thing. So if it's popular, you can do more. If it's one and done, hey, it's a fun thing. And hey, the Slingers. You haven't heard about the Slingers in forever, have you? That kind of thing. Yes. Uh, but the lead creative of all this division, because just give it to Chip Zdarsky. Just give it to fucking Chip Zdarsky. He's so good at it. You really love that man, don't you? Who doesn't love Chip Zdarsky and his beautiful, beautiful pale body? <laughs> I mean, I do. <laughs> so, okay, Buster, the reason Vac just fucking collapsed is there was an interview with Chip Zdarsky I sent him once, and he did the entire interview in his underwear because it was that fucking hot where he was living. Oof. And literally, at one point, the interviewer is like, ah, don't worry about it, man. You look pretty good for a, for a guy of your persuasion. And he's like, oh, really? And just puts his whole ass leg up in the camera. And the interviewer makes this face like, well, there goes my monetization. Here's the thing. It wasn't just the interviewer. It was the interviewer and his wife. <laughs> the wife reads comics and talks about comics, too. It's just, it was them together interviewing Chip Zdarsky. I know, but like, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Anyway. So the next group, Avengers. This is global heroes. They globe trot. They fight big bads. They save the world. That's what they do. That kind of thing. Um, the main team book. Can you guess what it is? The fucking New Guardians. Thank you. Yes. I was trying to think of a joke. <laughs> it's the Avengers. Uh, very short. Very simple. What to do with the Avengers? Put them back in the fucking mansion. Just put them you in the mansion. You don't want the tower. No. You don't can't mansion. You don't, mansion. You don't want the fucking warehouse from all new, all different. No, give me the mansion with Jarvis, have him be there, have him be a badass Alfred character who's there to help. Tony builds him a suit of armor, so if the mansion ever gets stacked, he comes out with a Hulkbuster armor with a little fancy bow tie. Or was it All actually right. like the first issue, like, it's Stinger ending. Um, and I'm ripping off you a little bit. You know Justice League Unlimited? That, yeah. but Avengers. Makes perfect sense, honestly. Like, Isn't that just more so heroes? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, like, the thing with the fucking Avengers, compared to the Justice League, the Justice League is always in comics, had set teams. Mm -hmm. Avengers is just anybody who wants to show up, come to work. Yeah, and that's kind of how the vibe is. It's like, if you if you are available to work, if you are available to be an Avenger, come be an Avenger, help out. If you're not, it's perfectly fine, we understand so Thor's not going to be there every issue. Thor's not going to be there every story. But Thor will show up every once in a while when the times get really fucking dire. But, like, anybody who was an Avenger, they can show up. Beast? Why not have Beast show up? Why not have the current fucking Beast be an Avenger again? That would be an interesting story to tell. That would be... Oh, jeez. Imagine current Beast and Tony Stark having an argument. Whoa. I feel like that argument would escalate very quickly. Oh, yeah, very much. Uh, but like any Avenger character, they show up. Wonder Man, have him show up. Have him that he's cool. 
any any Avenger that's alive, have him show up, do some stuff. Uh, a bunch of little and tiny he individuals. his head in every once in a while, and he's like, "Does does everyone still hate me? Can I please have friends again?" Vision shows up. Uh, Miss Marvel shows up. Miles goes like, "Hey," and they go like, "Hey, we're we're yeah, we can't let you come out and help us because you're teens." And ah, quick, come uh, in. We'll give you alcohol. Don't worry. <laughs> have a sip of my beer, kid. <laughs> yeah, they're those kind of parents when it comes to teenage superheroes. It's like as long as we're near. Do it. We're fine. A mm-hmm. um, uh, bunch of tiny arcs leading up to a major, like, season finale arc. It's not a se- Like, there'll be an issue right after that, but it's like a season finale, like, uh, uh kind of thing. A Ebb and flow. Ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, get some cool villains. Bring in Graviton. We haven't seen Graviton in how long? Graviton's a cool villain. They could, uh, they could bring in Psycho Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the Avengers. Uh, the next book is Iron Man. And remember, this is all about, like, expanding what the Marvel characters can do. So Iron Man is tired of the grit and grind of capitalist life. Yes. Is Iron Man still an AI? No, Iron Man's alive again. Okay. Iron Man's, a, he, Iron Man's a real in, human in, person. Is that in your book or in current Marvel continuity? Current Marvel continuity. He is a real human person again. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. I mean, he was always a real human person. He just made a secondary AI. He was healing. Yeah. Okay, so remember, expanding what uh, Marvel can do. Iron Man is tired of the capitalist grind, and he just wants to get out of business. He just wants to work with his friends, work with like-minded people, just invent shit, make things. So he builds an invisible floating makerspace that flies around New York that any of the smart heroes can just show up, go to the workshop, and build stuff. Real free-flowing imagination, folks. That kind of thing. So he's taken inspiration from like that guru guy from Extremis. Yeah, but it's like it, 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 it's just working together. It's building that kind of stuff. Uh, so a lot of the conflict comes from Tony Stark basically having to give up control because he's not used to this kind of environment where he has to work with other people directly. He's a he's he's a leader of the Avengers. He's the CEO of Stark International. He's that kind of guy. He's very A-type personality. And now he has to share shelf space with Spider-Man. Because mm-hmm. that's where and, Peter Parker builds all of his pensions. And Hank Pym comes in literally every day and goes, Tony, can we be friends again? I want to work on my new suit. Like, he's there. Like, Bruce Banner shows up. They have Hulk conditions just in case things go wrong. But Banner has it under control right now. Uh, any smart guy... Amadeus Chow, he shows up every once in a while. Yeah. War Machine, he comes in, tunes his, uh, tunes his armor. It's just a place where all these smart guys can just build shit. Reed Richards shows up when he wants to get away from his lab and think differently, you know? So it was kind of a workplace comedy, slice of life, sitcom kind of situation on the ship with superhero the, stuff that happens around. It's the Office meets Mythbusters. Office meets Mythbusters with a little bit of just, like, fun Iron Man action. And the reason I'm, I feel comfortable doing this with Iron Man... It's partially because it's Iron Man. Everybody loves Iron Man. It will sell. But this I mean, is also like, a way. This isn't exactly what I would be up for with Iron Man, but you're selling me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like again, bringing up new characters. This is not. This book can just have side characters show up in the background, do some cool stuff, help out in an adventure. Riri's got to show up every once in a while. Riri shows up. That. Moon Girl, she shows up. Why not? Mm-hmm. Valeria, hell yeah. Why not? Valeria. But, like, it's just a place where brand new characters come in, all that kind of stuff, yada, yada, yada. Again, bringing up characters, showing them off, doing things with them. 
Captain America is a direct continuation of the United States of Captain America. I figured. I love that mini right. Um, That's a mini. I thought I it was ongoing. I think it's a mini. I think it has a. I think it has an idea uh, an end right now. I think it's okay. a limited series. Interesting. Um. So Steve Rogers opens up a cap line, which is basically a giant group chat with all the volunteer Captain Americas. So they just moving like a mile a minute. It's like a Discord chat. So there's like, hey, what's up? How do we make better shields? All that, like that kind of stuff. And then there's like a place that's just like, hey, Steve, I need your help. There's literally a a a Fred or like a text channel that, if we're going with Discord servers here, that's just ask T'Challa for more vibranium. Uh, And there's a bunch of uh, Wakanda memes in there. It's hilarious. Yeah. You have not seen shit posting so till you've seen Captain American shit posting. Come on, mm-hmm. it is the best place to be. Uh, but basically, this is Captain America going around America. He he he's helping out volunteer caps because they're all cool characters. He's punching KKK members. He's doing sit down protests. He's helping out local communities. If it's something that would piss off Fox News, Captain America's doing it. It's Steve Rogers meets Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of also the the vibe you should take with it. There's there's an issue where he officiates a gay wedding like that. Also, kind of like stuff. also like this might have already happened, but I don't I, know for sure. So I'm has. just gonna say it. What ha- Cap has had a help hotline in the 80s where people could no, call. No, 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 no. no. That's not okay. what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is okay. If Superman can meet fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bernie Sanders needs to show up in an issue of Captain America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Like. The the cap the, the the gay Captain America who's on the rail lines, he's up in Vermont and goes like, Hey man, there's a guy who wants to meet you. Uh can you meet at this time? Hell yeah, let me let me go up there. And it's Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And they talk about how they both grew up in New York. And they and they end the issue eating Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but that's it for true ongoing series and the Avengers level. Now we're in the series season. The, uh, season Seasonal series. series. Seasonal series. The first one up is Captain Marvel. Ooh. Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. So you know how the internet hates Captain Marvel with giant air quotes as a bunch of fucking man babies? Well, that's how it is in the books now. There's a bunch of fucking man babies who hate Captain Marvel. And there's some Avengers who don't like her because of the things she's done recently. Civil War II, stuff like that. So since uh, basically, she just breaks down and goes, all right, fuck it. I, I'm stepping away. Not in the I'm right and all of you are wrong kind of way, just more of like, I need a fucking break. We then catch up two months later. She, uh, We are in LA. We are by the pool. She is in a big floppy beach hat in a bikini with a drink in hand. Not sure if she's awake or asleep. Yeah. She's just relaxing. She's unwinding. Um, And basically, the first arc is kind of just going through Captain Marvel and showing her not to fight for a better world, but to simply do good and have that be a better one. Let my actions be judged according. Yeah. Basically teach Captain Marvel to be Superman. I can get down with that. That's her whole, that's the whole point of this book is trying to achieve being Superman. And in that regard, like some ongoing side characters are like Hyperion and they show up every once in a while and kind of go like, well, uh, it kind of be like Superman. Sentry's, Sentry's much more like Superman. It's like, hey, how are you? Let me help you with this kind of thing. And Hyperion is evil Superman and goes like, hey, you should be evil Superman. That kind of thing. They're, they're fucking devil and angel on our shoulders. Yeah. All right. Nadia's Academy. Goat Raw Swag Kino. Um, 
it's less of a true school and it's more like an online tutor thing where Nadia helps out uh, teenage heroes with their problems. Hmm. Uh, again, showcasing a bunch of cool heroes, but it's Nadia. It, it's not like a teacher going like, you should do this. It's not Captain America saying like, oh, you need to be real heroes. It's Nadia going like, yeah, I know how that teenage love thing works out. I'm here for you, babe. So it's, it's a fucking chat line. It's a, it's, it's Omegle minus the dicks. Yeah, it's, it's it's her helping out teenage heroes, and she's just helping out around the world and kind of helping people out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can go see Reptile in the California. Oh, she can go up to Canada and see some teenage heroes. Oh, whoa, Nadia's in Krakoa. Yes. Are the agents of girls still a thing? They can be. Okay. They can be your side characters. Yeah, because that's what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next up, another Ant-Man book. Ant-Man Limited. Scott Lang... And his security business. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Because I love that status quo. It's a brilliant status quo. It is. I fucking love Spencer for that. And it's also a great way to, again, expand what Marvel is. This is a heist book. It's crime. It's heists. It's it's Ocean's Eleven, but you get a new one every year. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great place to test out popular bad guys as possible good guys. See what you can do with that. So semi-rotating cast, but it's not a, it's not continuous. You keep some characters around. So it's like Suicide Squad, but less death, more stealing. Okay. And finally, The Hulk as a seasonal series. Because honest to God, after Immortal Hulk, we need to let The Hulk rest as a character, as a concept, and just come did, back. Uh, and, did you and read do that Donnie Cates solicitation? Oh, I haven't yet. It, it. I know he's your boy, but that solicitation sounds like the most generic Hulk book ever. It's probably it's probably meant to be a very generic Hulk book. But it's just basically, this is where I would do Hulk. I don't have a major idea for the pitch. But uh, seasonally, let Banner really deal with his dissociative identity disorder. That kind of thing. Okay. Okay, minis. And remember how I said I'm dealing with everything Marvel? The Human Torch. Are you bringing back the Android? Yes, the original. Bring him in today. One part Captain America, one part Silver Surfer. Good fucking man. Uh, next one, Namor. Give Namor a mini. Because here's the idea. He fights Roxxon. Not Earth, not land, Roxxon. As he comes to the realization that not all of humanity pollutes and vows only to fight the ones who do. Becomes an eco-terrorist to company. So you're making him Poison Ivy? <laughs> he is. Aquaman meets Poison Ivy. Yes. Sick. But he's a good guy. Well, Poison, one, Ivy is a, Poison Ivy is a good guy now. Okay. But he, he fights Roxxon. He fights his evil corporations. He's all, he, he's the anger side of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> he's Bernie Sanders if, he, if you remove his power level. Uh, and the final one is Latveria. Just a single series, single little mini of Latveria. As a way to kind of introduce the concept and the new status quo of the whole thing. Uh, and it's also just a way to explore different parts of Marvel that we haven't seen. A young artist uh, moves to Latveria. Nothing nefarious. Uh, it seems like there's a secret police thing uh, kidnapping people, taking them off the streets. Like, oh no, is Doom actually still a bad guy? It's really actually a human trafficking cartel. Uh, Doom take care cares of that. You, you do something cool with Doom. Yes. As an editor, I'm going to say we have to change the title to Dr. Doom because just Latveria may not sell that one. I'm just saying, like, that's the point of the book. It's to showcase Latveria. Okay. Okay. Or maybe call it Dr. Doom's Latveria or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and the real quick, just because I had a visual idea in my head, uh, the the part where you show off who's writing it and who's drawing it, that kind of like editorial part, uh, you do it up like a travel guide. Okay. That kind of thing. All right. So we've done mutants, we've done street, and we've done Avengers. You ready for some magic, folks? I am. I am. Guess what the team book is? This is the one I thought you'd hate me because in, in a good way earlier. Is it? Is it? Fucking Iliana and the Limbo Demon Legion? Team book. The Midnight Suns. Fuck you. Nobody fucking cares about the Midnight Suns, you fucking nerd. Oh, but we have the IP. We can use it. It's good. It's good. No, it's not. Oh, let me give you the pitch. Let me give you the pitch. Fine. Again, expanding what Marvel is. This is a spoopy horror book. Very horror focused. Okay. It stars Danny Ketch and Brother Voodoo as they start up a paranormal investigation agency in New Orleans. Remind me, who is Danny Ketch again? He's Johnny Blaze's brother. He's the second ghostwriter. Oh, yes. Okay, that's why I recognize the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they have a good number of consultants they bring on for individual cases. So you can bring in Morbius, Kid Kaiju, John Jameson, the uh, Werewolf by Night, any horror hero. Like, Blade, he can show up. Man-Thing, Doctor Strange, any any magic, she can show up. It's, any the, same, it's the same concept as Avengers. Yeah, but it, but the main two, but there's not, like, a main kind of team. It's just those two characters, Danny Ketch and Brother Voodoo. Uh, and again, this book is a horror book first, and a long-distant second is superhero. Like Yeah, so I wouldn't read it. <laughs> but again, remember what we're trying to do here. It's trying to bring up new ideas. It's develop new concepts that Mar that Disney can eventually do stuff with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like for listeners, I don't. I'm not trying to say horror is invalid. I just don't care about the name, the Midnight Suns, and also I'm not a horror guy in the slightest. I tend to, as an adult, avoid horror like the plague. But also, horror comics are really on the rise. Like, um, um, uh, they they're killing the kids. Like, that's a really popular book right now. So horror books fucking sell. People love horror comics now. I mean, I will say I did like Infidel quite a bit, and I introduced you to that, but that's like the one exception to that rule. Yep. So the next thing is Doctor Strange. Okay. So we're getting into uh, the Order of the Supreme. Doctor Strange has realized that it takes a lot of fucking energy and uh, focus to be the Sorcerer of Supreme, so he's basically decided to make some generals under his guard to help him out with sorcerers. These are major allies that Doctor Strange has. So Magic, Wiccan, Brother Voodoo, like uh, Strom, like any cool mag Scarlet Witch if she comes back to life in time, that kind of thing. If there's a sorcerer in Marvel and you could name them, they're on this team. Uh, but basically, it's a way for Doctor Strange to go, like, I, I am dealing with this. Can you help me? You know what would be a cool kind of, like, left field pick to hook some people in? Could make Enchantress a hero for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Let's do it. Fuck it. Um, and they basically help other guard other areas of magic. So, like, magic's helping out in Krakoa, keeping magic under control, giving him warnings if anything happens to Krakoa. Doom's there in Europe. Brother Voodoo's in the south uh, in the southern states of America. Wiccan's out in space. He's keeping an eye out there. All that kind of stuff. Um, and a major, like, overarching concept to kind of, like, play with a little bit 
is uh, we have found that magic has been can be killed. This happened a, a little bit ago. Well, of course she can be killed. She's a person. Magic the concept. Okay, then maybe you should start saying Ileana. <laughs> so basically ask the question if it can have a body, like eternity or death. You're introducing a new Marvel Cosmic character, I take it? Yeah, to an extent. But, like, you never fully comprehend it. They never fully, like, what is it? Uh, We're not getting a character design. There's never going to be a Marvel Legends of this. Yeah, but it's like, we can hear their voice, that kind of thing. So so it's kind of like a little bit of Dream from DC, a little bit of Death from Marvel and DC, that kind of woogie thing. Sandman is also probably should be a little bit of an inspiration there. And I definitely would ask, like, hey, Grant, would you like to do this book? Would you like to? Yeah, because you fucking teased that last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Strange Academy. Uh, keep it as it is, but expand it a little bit. Introduce more students as a possibility. It's basically Harry Potter, but Marvel is a magic school. Make some new characters. Make new characters. Play with the characters you have. Uh, the only major change I would have to the book is add a backup issue in every uh, backup in every issue, uh, which is basically a little, sli- a little bit more slice of life, a little bit more comedy, uh, starring other students and teachers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're into the season series. First one up, Blade. Alright. Give Blade his book. Give him a book. It's Blade. It's horror. Use a bunch of different vampires. Don't just use European style vampires. Fucking use Australian vampires. Play with Australia uh play with vampires as a as a concept. Fuck it. Big overarching villain? The vampires from Blade 2. You could have an entire fucking cause seasonal, so renewed story every year. Mm-hmm. You could have one year just be what if Blade, but from dusk till dawn. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing, because if you were doing an ongoing, it, you feel like a little weird doing stuff like that. But it's what's one and done's great. Have at it. Completely change everything up. Do it. Um, but that's basically about it. Blade, every season kind of Blade taking a different pot of vampires and new and exciting locales. This week, this year, he's in Mexico. This year, he's in he's in a cabin in the Himalayas. Why not? And and the the fucking Yeti shows up and he's like, Welcome to the Himalayas. You want a snow cone? Yeah. Uh another seasonal series is Man Thing. This one would probably be more like four issues per go, because of course you gotta make them double-sized issues. Because of course you're gonna name it Giant Size Man Thing. Alright. And again, this is magic, and magic tends to be a lot where the horror stuff in Marvel is. This is a little bit more of a horror book, but it's also a little bit more. Twin Peaks meets horror meets X-Files. Because here's the thing. Man-Thing doesn't shoot... Man-Thing's only in this book about 25% of the time. Because the rest of the time, it's focused on the local community where Man-Thing is near the Everglades. Dealing with stuff that comes out of the Nexus portal. What? Okay, so in the Everglades in America... In the Everglades of Florida, there is a Nexus portal. Which is basically a constant portal to the Nexus of Reality. Alternate right. dimensions. I don't just fucking care on. anymore. Just move on. All right. The next book is Nexus. Oh fuck you! <laughs> Come back. This is the book you'll really like. Why would I like it? Because it's a comedy book, full of fun and action and adventure. This isn't horror at all. Go on. It stars Gwenpool, Peek, and Howard the Duck. You lost. And Deadpool, Peek, and She-Hulk. Okay. As they team up to deal with retcons 
time shenanigans, and the most meta of meta books. Because you realize all four of those characters break the fourth wall. God, this is gonna be this is gonna be Animal Man on crack, isn't it? Yep. Every book has a recap of the previous issues. Each time is a per- different member of the team telling what's going on. It's the fucking build recast. <laughs> There's a secret fifth member of the team. It's the caption boxes. This is amazing. <laughs> I knew I'd get you guys with that. <laughs> it's just a bunch of like, what the fuck is that? Is that a demon goat? I guess we gotta fucking deal with the demon goat. Oh it's no, like, it's two demon goats. It's just stupid bullshit this series. Yes. And if anybody wants to play with any of the stupid bullshit, great. This is Spaghetti Against the Wall book. Yeah! Got a writer in mind? No specific writer in mind. Uh, uh, I They have to be good at absurdist comedy, weirdo shit, that kind of thing. I chased Tip Zarsky because he did Howard the Duck and he's good at that. See, he's again, the only one I can think of, but like, also I don't think of him as an absurdist comic. You know who'd be really good at this? Who? Writing and drawing, Mike Allred. Oh, yeah! Mike Allred drawing... I think Zach just busted a nut. Oh, I've never wanted anything more in my life! Ah, boy, oh boy, oh. Alright, let's get into some of the minis. They're not going to be as impressive as uh, as that last one. A mini of Morbius, because I like Morbius. Sure, why not? Some mad science can't go wrong. Okay. Uh, Werewolf by Night, John Jameson, because he's a cool character. Uh, Is he? Deal- yeah. Okay. He deals with lycanthropy, kind of American werewolf in London. More traditional werewolves show up. It's just a one done, just kind of like, hey, werewolves. Do you like? Do you guys like werewolves? Can we play with werewolves in the Marvel Universe? Is that a thing you'll be okay with? Yeah, I guess. All right. Cosmic. Uh, your bread and butter. Yep. Team book is Guardians of the Galaxy. Keep it as is. Superhero team basically helping out the rest of the galaxy. Or works as is. Is is it the is it the movie team or is there a slightly different team right is now that you want to go with? I, it's not the movie team, but it's the team in the comics, which is uh, Peter Quill, Groot, Rocket, Drax, Moon Dragon, Moon Dragon's wife. I can't remember her name right now. Gamora, Nova, uh, the Super Scroll. So you're not, boy. You're not putting Kitty Pride and no. Scott back on the book or anything. Kitty, Kitty, no, Kitty Pride still uh, still on Earth, still in Krakoa, still doing all that. Uh, um, by, the, by the way, my apologies, Kate Pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kate Pride. Uh, but that's kind of it for Guardian. Like, keep it as it is. It, it's a good status quo to tell more stories with, where it's basically Avengers, but in space. It works. Um, next book is Thor. I don't have any story things, but this is the only one I definitively have a person to write it and draw it. Daniel Warren Johnson. Ooh. He just finished up Beta Ray Bill, which has been the most okay, yeah, high-ass yeah, yeah. book ever. Just say, like, here, have Thor, do whatever the fuck you want. It's just ongoing. Just let him do it. If he needs assistance, pour money onto Daniel Warren Johnson. Let him write his magnum over. Okay, this is a brand new book. Hulkling and Wiccan. Thank you. Um, This is Game of Thrones in space. Political drama, backstabbing, people just working back and forth, trying to get power. And if we're we're really going Game of Thrones, I'm assuming there will be explicit gay sex. Oh, oh, explicit gay sex because Hulkling and Wiccan are thinking about having a kid. 
Remember, Hulkling's a scroll. He can shapeshift. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a bunch of pressure on all sides politically of what to do. The Guardians are saying, oh, no, you should be doing this. The Kree are saying, no, no, you should be doing this. The Scrolls are going, no, 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 do this. The, the, the Rasho's the... like, buy our shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, there's pressure from all sides. And Hulkling and Wiccan's only really reprieve from all this political bullshit is each other. Okay. It's that kind of thing. I just think that'd be a really cute book. Also, it just puts a gay character, gay characters right front and center. Fucking own that shit because they're cool characters. Yeah. Also, play with Hulkling being a little gender fluid because he he is a scroll and they are shapeshifters and they're all kind of a little gender. Play with it. I've been meaning to ask you this forever. I'm sorry. What, Buster? What'd you say? Geography, because I you know, <laughs> gender fluid rep. Yeah. Um, but I've been meaning to ask you this forever, Chris, and it's it's a little off topic, but uh, have you read Meet the Scrolls? No, I should. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. All right, the next big ongoing cosmic book, Fantastic Four. This is the major Earth connection. This is where, like, cosmic and Earth meet. That's the major place where this happens. Ignore most of what Dan Slott did. Fuck it. Franklin's a mutant. Okay. Um... The big major change of Fantastic Four, the big idea, is Reed has finally feels comfortable with how far along some of his inventions have become, that he started to turn them into products to sell to people, to share with the world. Um, that makes him the new Tony Stark. He is the head of Richard's industry. And, but uh, he doesn't have the showmanship. He hates it. Absolutely. He fucking despises it. He just wants to give people dope shit. Fuck business. Fuck marketing. Fuck all that. He hates it. Johnny does the press conferences, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, the internet now treats him like Elon Musk. Oh, no! But also, yes. <laughs> His rage, he cannot hold it. He fucking hates it. I'm assuming there's actually going to be an issue where Reed Richards meets Elon Musk? Oh, yeah. Like, not Elon Musk. An Elon Musk-like character. Uh-huh. And he just goes like, you are a motherfucker who takes ideas that other people did and say you invented them, you fuck, hack, all that kind of stuff. Just go into that kind of mindset. Go into that bullshit. But that's overall the Fantastic Four pitch. And basically, like, Ben's still living his happy married life. Sue is uh, building up her own media empire because people really enjoy what Sue has to say about topics and media and that kind of stuff. Johnny, is it is it like... Is it like Catco kind of media empire, or is it like she has a mommy blog that's really popular? It's more along the side of mommy blog, but it's more of like she has regular book deep. Okay. Like, people really enjoy her memoirs, talking about being a member of the Fantastic Four. It's never just about like, oh, I'm the wife of Reed Richards. It's more of like, no, I'm Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. I'm a badass. Those are the kind of books she writes. It's it's like if she was being interviewed, it would be like that screen cap of uh, Michelle uh barack obama michelle obama's husband oh yeah that guy yeah yeah, yeah that kind of thing she's re- people really love her reed loves the fact that she's getting so much attention he's really confident in himself he he's no worries that kind of thing also because namor and his uh many earlier finds another blonde girl and he starts crushing give him something happy give him let him be happy let namor be happy let namor fuck exactly all right so now on to the seasonal series first one up silver surfer Again, Silver Surfer is one of those books. People enjoy it when there's one around, but no one cares about enough to read it. Um, basically, takes some Doctor Who, 
add some Star Trek with a dash of Flash Gordon. Yeah. Side characters are a bunch of uh, bunch of cool stuff. Make some new space pirates. They be cool. Other cosmic beings. Uh, Invisible Man pops up every once in a while. You know, like literally Doctor Who it. Don't bring Dawn back. Just have him get new companions every once yes, in a while. Exactly. Um, this is another one that's very much a me, and you're going to go like, who? Dark Hawk. I know who Dark Hawk is, but also you fucking nerd. <laughs> okay, Darkhawk is an Earth dude who gets a gem that gives him a cyborg body superpower stuff. So this is basically Space Sheriff Gavin meets Green Lantern. That's Did what the book say is. Gavon. Gavon. Gavron. Gavon. Yes, let's go. Please. Yeah, but it's basically it's very Toku inspired, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the last one is Venom. Venom's now a cosmic character. It's just where it, it, it's the best place to put it. Eddie is trying to balance he Earth. He has adrenaline momentum. Yep. Um, balance Earth and cosmic space stat stuff. Yeah. So, that kind of thing. Uh, well, sir, do you know what's going on with Venom right now? No, I have only read the first trade of Donny Cage's run. So, the way that run ends is the new status quo is, what if Batman Beyond but Venom? Yo, that sounds sick. Eddie Brock's kid is the new Venom. Oh, I want, I want, I want to read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good shit. All right. So now here's just a single issue miniseries. Um, first one up, Star Jammers. All right. Oh, don't follow me. Most flamboyant space pirates make them just like fucking fabulous. Um, uh, very swashbuckly. They, very. They, they like to make a show of it. Oh, dude, they're the most showy pirates. They go on. They're swaggering. It's like, hey, you've Captain just Marvel boarded. centers the chat. <laughs> exactly. Okay, think of that, but he's a dude with a fucking porn stash. You got it. Um, it's very swashbuckling. Basically, give this guy, give these guys something other than just being Cyclops' dad and his friend. Give give Kevin Feige a reason to make a movie about these fuckers. Exactly. Do it. Um, next one up is just an idea I've had. Uh, the Brood Hunters. Okay. okay. Do you know what the Brood are? I know what the brood are. I, I've read the most recent story with the brood. Uh, it's basically Marvel's knockoff aliens, like Xenomorphs. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the idea is it's just a couple of space, uh, Wakandan space marines dealing with the brood like an alien movie. Just do alien... Is, is Wakanda still an intergalactic empire? Yes, they were just in Guardians and Sword. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought, oh, God, that'd be something fun to do with all that kind of stuff. Next, in the final mini of the Cosmic Group, give Uwatu a mini. Ooh. Three books. Ask Grant if they want to do it. Because <laughs> Grant Morrison going full flex mentalo with Uwatu? I'm here for it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now the final group. This is a very important group. This is a group that doesn't fit into any other group because ultimately, this is the breeding ground of new fans. This is people getting them into comics, getting them into the characters, getting them while they're young, because this is all ages applicable stuff. That's not saying it's dumbed down, it's not kiddie stuff, but it's books that are kind of go like, hey, we should lay off on some things the kids are watching. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is also the play of some other ideas. So the first thing up, which is a book that should always be publishing, Marvel Team Up. Pick okay. two Marvel characters, put them in a book, have a fun adventure. That's it. I That's don't. I don't know why, but for a second there, I really thought you were going to say Power Pack. You could do Power Pack. Fuck it, Power Pack. Do one of them. <laughs> Power Pack's a fun team. Uh, yeah. but Marvel team up is like, 
oh, Spider-Man and the Thing are fighting some things. You do, do like two to three uh, issue little mini arcs, and you just showcase the Marvel Universe. Bunch of new characters. A-list, D-list, C-list, everybody. Do it. Cyclops and fucking Phage. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? And again, this is to introduce new characters, bring them up, give them prominence, show what's possible, play with them. Hey, these are things. Use them, use them, use them. They're IPs, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Also, this is where you can do like Wait, I just license realized... a few. Well, go ahead. Uh, the actually just kind of ties into what you're saying. Uh, what about Alien, Predator, and Ultraman? Do they will they factor into? Did you? They kind of fit that? into this, but um, when I say all ages, this is kind of like the. This is where licensed stuff goes. This is where this kind of stuff goes. This is this is the place to go when you're not me knowing Marvel comics. But like my thing, my my thing, my pitch. This is also where you can do, like, license deals with specific media companies. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you want a Marvel comic about your characters? All right, this issue of Marvel team up, All Elite Wrestling and the Avengers. Exactly. Things like that. You can do that kind of thing. Because that's what Marvel team up was in the past. They teamed up with the Saturday Night Live cast. <laughs> Will we get, like, another Invincible crossover? Sure, why not? Fuck it. Sure. Team up with the uh, indie books. Fuck it. If, if Disney will Radiant let you... If legal lets it, do it. Radiant um, Black. Who would we team Radiant Black up? Darkhawk. Yeah. G Gavin and the fucking Power Rangers just jamming out for an issue. But this is this is like Marvel introduction. That's a better way to think about it. It's not all ages, but it's stuff like, oh, you have no idea about Marvel. Here's Marvel team up to show up uh, a couple goofy characters. Here's a uh, here's a Spider-Man book that not dealing with all the major continuity. It's just fun, simple Spider-Man story. You know, that kind of stuff. It's flashback issues to when he was in high school and dealing with John Jonah Jameson. Oh, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. So another book is uh, Fantastic Four Time Travel Book. This is fun. Uh, it's not starring Reed and Sue. They're off doing their own thing. This is Franklin, Valeria, Thing, Torch, Herbie. Yeah. It's them going on fun, goofy adventures. Oh, no, they're in J J Jurassic era. Oh, it's, no, they're in Roman times. It's it's literally a book of what I'm planning to do with uh, my new younger relative of, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll watch them for the weekend. I'll make sure to get all their homework and whatnot. And it's just pizza and video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of the vibe. It's very it's fun. It's lighthearted. But it's a good introduction to the Marvel Universe. That's a big thing with these books. Um, the introduction to the cosmic stuff. Rocket and Groot. Fun space adventures. Make it fun. Make it cartoony. Calvin and Hobbes-esque. Rocket's a little bit of an asshole. Groot's fun and cute. All that kind of stuff. Um, like, these are the books that you put into the trade and send to Scholastic Book Fairs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another one is Great Lakes Avengers. Do this as a slapstick underdog kind of story. Maybe play into some of the, like, that tone of, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid that kids liked. I don't know what kids are liking it these days, but you know that kind of vibe. That kind of vibe. Also, I just Diary learned a new word. just misery. I just learned a new word right now uh, because, I, as you know, I didn't know what to say right there because I don't want to reveal my nibbling's gender. Right, right, right. Um, and this is another concept uh, I thought of. Talk to Disney. See what licenses Marvel can get their hands on and just make books about them. Darkwing Duck, D Donald, Mickey. Just make books. Does it also like, Disney, can we can, sorry go ahead. just give them to IDW? 
Doesn't just Disney give all the Disney like uh, yeah, don't they just give it to all the But I'm just saying, like, this could be a thing they can do. This is Star Wars, this is all that kind of stuff. And major book if if I could make a request, let's just have one Star Wars book instead of having an entire fucking Star Wars imprint that I have to keep up with. And just make it Dr. Aphra. (laughs) Um the only major book I say like I really, really want gargoyle and i'd ask if we can make that marvel canon i could see that working yeah yeah give him like a a redesign tweak and yeah we talking a little tweak a little bit of the here and there but like that'd just be a fun thing to see like imagine spider-man thwicking in the middle of the night sits a gargoyle and all of a sudden whoa and it's goliath also i hate i hate my own brain because like Ten minutes ago, I said AEW and the Avengers Marvel team up. I've been booking these two out in my head ever since, and right now I'm just thinking about Orange Cassidy, Orange Punching Thanos. Yeah, boy. And the final one. This is probably the most important book. Marvel Magazine. Okay. What is the biggest problem with American comic books right now? You tell me. Accessibility? Get people to fucking buy them! Ah, uh, yeah. So accessibility. Yeah. So this... Is a book that's a magazine, a bunch of stories, a bunch of reprints, a bunch of classic stuff, a bunch of like all ages things, Marvel it's, news, it's, MCU it's stuff. DC Walmart giants. But you put yeah, them in the say. but you treat it like a magazine and you put them in the goddamn checkout aisle. Thank you. So little yeah. kids see like Spider Man and go like, Hey Ma, I want Spider Man. And she looks at it and goes like, Oh, it's two bucks. Yeah. That's a big problem. Get them hooked young. Don't worry about money. This will lose money. That doesn't matter. You want people into the brand as early as possible to get them buying books, get them buying toys, get them buying games. Come see the movies. That's what this book is for. I'd suggest just making it like reprints of old material, like just so it can like cost less with like yeah, maybe like a new pro story every issue. Pro story, and I'd say like a backup story pro stories and i'd say one of these like books i just mentioned marvel team up the fantastic four time travel rocket Groot. you have a you have one of them every once in a while like one issue you just have a blah 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 because these are meant to be like one and dones maybe have a rule of like at least one book needs to have a done in one story every month so that you can have something to put in the magazine yeah but you also like hey here's an interview with Fucking, um... Chip Zdarsky. Chip, Chip's a comic book artist. But also, like, oh, here's an interview with Chris Hemsworth, the guy who plays Thor. How do you like being Thor? Because it's meant to be for kids and teens. Yeah. Here's how I would structure it. So, uh, like, let's assume it's going to be, like, a bi-monthly magazine. Well, not bi-monthly, uh, like, bi-weekly. Uh, that's what I'm Yeah, every say. other week. Yep, yep, and yep. it's like... So we just have, like, one, like, Spider-Man one and done, a couple of interviews in the middle, and then, like, something, like, a backup story with, like, a a different rotating backup story. And maybe, like, a third serialized continuing for, like, longtime readers of the magazine. I would say, like, also, like, before and after the interviews, a reprint of a classic issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One classic reprint that's a one and done, and one classic reprint that you go week by week. That's a full arc. Yeah, that's just reprints all of the original Fantastic Four run. Yeah, do that for a bit. Do the do Galactus. Do Dark Phoenix. Do Armor Wars. Just reprint them. 
They're sitting there. You can just show them off to kids. They've never read that before. It's can't pay $15 for a trade. Exactly. That's what this is for. And people who just don't want to pay $15 for a trade. Me. But it can just yeah, be a fun way to get some new stories. Just a fun way to get new stories. Fun way to get new readers of Marvel. And th then they can go like, okay, kids, if you want to read more Marvel, find your local comic book store. Here's a website where you can put in your... Put in your zip code. Ask your parents to help you out. Get them involved in comic. It, it's very shrewd. It's very business-like. But, like, that would probably help Marvel so much. Yeah. I'd also, like, suggest maybe some, like, online. Because, you know, kids are very online these days. Maybe some, like, online way to, like, read the read comics or something. Like, I don't really do. It's Marvel Unlimited. Flash games. Not, like, just... Flash games. I'm talking about more, like, ac like accessibility, like, uh... Marvel does have a Netflix like thing like with their both. books, but I would say like, hey, people, if you want to pay another ninety nine cent for Disney Plus, you get Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, there, there, like something like that. I was thinking like motion comics, like of old stories they could put on YouTube, like kind of what they did with those Marvel TLDRs, but like much more budgeted. And you know what? The biggest thing you should do on Marvel YouTube: hire someone like Comic Drake or Nerd Sync and like older Nerd Sync, not current Nerd Sync. Nerd Sync's cool. Um, and just go like, hey, talk about comics. Talk about Marvel Comics. Yes. Like, that would be talk great. Um, and bring Marvel TLDR back. That's a legit great series. But yeah, that's kind of my pitch of how I, of thing of what I would do with Marvel, of how I would lead Marvel for. So any, any kind of major questions, any kind of major thoughts that you want to poke holes in? Look, all I'm saying is get me on a book. <laughs> What were you? What was your? What were you about to say, Vac? It was going to be a troll question. I decided against it. <laughs> but it's a lot of variety. It's a lot of things. Again, it's just trying to expand what Marvel is as a brand. Uh, re re explore things that Marvel has been in the past. Because Marvel did do horror books. Marvel did do a bunch of stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. play with it. Play with it. You know that kind of stuff. Oh boy, that was how how long has it been? Uh, it has been see. an hour. That's about as long as my DC pitch was. Yeah, about. Might have to drop out like soon because it's getting like close to twelve my time. That's fine. It's past twelve my time. Yeah. So why don't we just deal with one big piece of news that we can all talk about real quick? Uh, Scarlett Johansson has sued Disney. Yeah, and everyone a, else apparently. It's a whole fucking thing, ain't it, fellas? Do we well, want to? I ain't a lawyer, that? so I don't know all this legal mumbo. So, like, what I understand is basically, like, the contract, like, there's no Disney Plus in the contract, and there was no mention of a Disney Plus release, and they're like, well, I'm pissed. Yeah, because she's not getting royalties for the Disney Plus release, but she got paid for the theater release, and she's saying, it happened at the same time, I should get paid for both things. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are going, oh, she's just being a typical greedy Hollywood actress, whereas but, like, is more conscientious... Disney's a typical greedy Hollywood company. Yeah, and also there's people like me sitting here going like, I I can't speak for Scar Joe, but I have a feeling this also might be more about like the legal precedent of making sure Disney doesn't screw over other younger actors and actresses in the future. That seems very much a battle with legal and not with Kevin Feige, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Kevin Feige's just like no 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 no. Also, uh 
who is it? Uh, so someone else was saying they were thinking about suing. Emma oh, uh, Emma Stone is thinking about it because of Cruella. Yeah, which I get wanting to help the cause, but like I don't know if Cruella is the hill you want to die on. I mean, it makes money. <laughs> Isn't that what matters? Did it make money? Kinda, kinda. I mean, that's I, I, terrifying. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not as much money as like other movies, but like you know, if it makes money. <laughs> All right. Well done. Yep. There, I didn't watch the final What If trailer. Uh, I can link it to you real quick. It's 30 seconds. Sure. It's it's basically a TV spot, but I haven't heard about it airing on TV at all. Well, I mean, barely anyone watches cable these days, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. blame you. I've kind of been trying. I'm not going to, like, watch the trailer. I'm only watching, like, bits of it, but, like, like, I love the animation on here. Like, I love that we're getting, like, animated Marvel properties. Oh, wait, this comes out August 11th. I just, you might have guys have, like, another bare week, like, because, like, I don't think the next... Uh, Did you see, I saw a thing of people going, like, why is she called Captain Carter? She should be called Captain Britain. And people were going, like, no, that's a completely different character. motherfucker, let me explain. (laughs) It's not even, like, it's not even, like, a close to comparable thing. You can't just call her Captain Britain. (laughs) Because there's implications with Captain Britain. Oh, man. Uh, also, so, like, Captain Britain, like, a jerk? No. Captain Britain is uh, a multiversal guardian. Oh, okay. Yep. Captain Britain is kind of like an even weirder Doctor Strange. Okay, so British Doctor Strange. Yeah. Captain Britain is, like, one part Doctor Strange, one part Common Rider Decayed. God oh. damn it, I hate you. It's because <laughs> I'm right, aren't I? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, but no, the trailer looks solid. I like all the new little snippets we see. The only thing that made me go like, maybe we should talk about this. I saw some people saying that like, because of how heavily and how differently some of the Wakandan characters are in this, people were theorizing, oh, is this all one narrative? One thing changed all of continuity, and so this is a retelling of the first three phases in, in, in like different. And I'm like... I don't think so. Also, I really hope not, because that's not how What If worked. Yeah, no. What If is, like, one thing changes and just, yeah, just thing works. Yeah. The only time that has ever happened is recently with Heroes Were Born, and that's just because of Mephisto. Fucking Mephisto. Every MCU's fan's favorite character. <laughs> He's gonna show up one day. I bet you. All right. We looking at toys? We're looking yeah, at let's toys, talk, boys? Let's, let's talk about toys. Let's talk about some toys. Look at that spooky man. Look at that 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 pokey Canadian. Yeah, Sideshow has announced that they are going to be doing a 1/6 scale astonishing X-Men Wolverine figure which looks pretty solid. You know, it's 1/6 scale, so obviously I'm not going to be getting it, but uh, as 1/6 scale stuff of comic book characters goes, this looks really competent and my biggest takeaway was just holy shit, how have we not gotten this suit in Marvel Legends yet? Oh, yeah, no, it's a great suit. I think the only biggest problem is it was written by Joss Whedon. Yeah, but I feel like Astonishing is, like, a lot of people's into X-Men. So, at some point, Hasbro's gonna have to go there. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm gonna have to go now. It is getting late. I would I really want to get to Superman Son of Kal-El, but I guess we're not. Um, so That's yeah. okay, Buster. You have a good night. Yeah, uh, watch my YouTube stuff. Get me to 600 subs. Haha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, I just noticed because I'm going for the pictures here. 
he has swap out arms so you can have seamless arms if you want that's uh that's an interesting feature i've not seen on a figure so far look at that butt that's a ooh ooh that's a tasty bungus right there i like that bungus look at that also the box is really stylish oh yeah i love his dread mouth it looks like judge dread it does i think sideshows made a judge dread, dread, uh, dread man yes that's his name Red man! He's a fascist and he'll kill you. He's a fascist and he'll kill you. Red man! And we also have the full solicitation for the Mezco 112 Collective Gotham by Gaslight Joker, which literally came out this week, which is very surprising for Mezco. Usually their stuff is like they announce it ahead of time and there's a pre-order and the pre-order sells out in like two minutes. This was in stock and people didn't realize it was going in stock on the Mezco store. So it was up for like a full day before everybody figured it out and got theirs. And then the shipping was so good on this. Some people got it next day. Damn, that's good. Yeah. Um. So like Look people are... Look at this Sweeney Todd ass motherfucker. Yeah, I think like I'm not I'm definitely not going to be picking up this figure at any point, but I really do like how it looks. It's very, very aesthetic, very kind of classic Joker and obviously very man who laughs. And you got to love the super unique parts layout here because you got the figure itself. You have an alternate smiling head, glasses, free playing cards, a top hat tons of alternate hands all these fucking cutting and mutilating implements a briefcase a scarf and a fucking butcher's smock and a stand it's just a lot of good shit a lot mm -hmm. of good shit i mean like 112 collective usually has a shit ton of accessories but this is just like super unique even in that regard to have all those like butcher's implements mm-hmm mm -hmm. Um, also, the the ha 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 sculpted on the one knife is cute, but uh, yeah, that thing looks neat. And then uh, we had a couple of pretty big announcements from McFarlane Toys this week, which is McFarlane basically bought and resurrected DC Direct because they're the license holder for DC now. They basically said like they basically sent out a mass letter saying. Hey, anybody who used to work for DC Direct and got laid off when it closed, you've now been furloughed. You can come work for us if you want, and we're going to work out some stuff for you guys to do. And so they put out this big press release saying that basically DC Direct is now back. It's as a subline, sub-label in McFarlane Toys. It's like they're, uh, they're, it's the vertigo of McFarlane Toys. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's really awesome, really cool to see Todd doing that. And then uh, on top of that, Todd launched his own Hasbro Pulse. McFarlane Toys Store, two S's, all, use the two S's to go to the correct place, is now a thing. Um, and uh, he has said that there is going to be plenty of exclusives. Uh, when the store actually launches, which as of this recording is in... Three days, 12 hours, 32 minutes, and 50 seconds. Uh, there will be a special deal for the first couple days that anyone who spends over 50 bucks on an order 
we'll get a black and white variant cover of Spawn's Universe number one, and random copies of that will be signed. And anyone who spends over 200 bucks at launch will get a black and white cover of Spawn's Universe number one that are guaranteed to be signed. So cool stuff. You know there's going to be a lot of crazy exclusives going up here. Uh, this is definitely something to keep your eye on going forward um especially with the uh the little tease that todd put out of um the uh the recent collecting connect uh batman last night on earth bane as its own release there's a little teaser image in this article of that so that might be one of the first store exclusives anything to say in regards to that stuff boingo nice enough that mcfarland's kind of jumping up as a, a major toy person you know Mm -hmm. This has always been like the smaller collector's label. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm incredibly proud that this is happening, having watched this basically since its inception of McFarlane doing more articulated retail figures grow to this point. But also I'm just sitting here going like, but he still isn't doing anything I want to buy. <laughs> uh, and that also uh, relates to the one figure reveal we got from McFarlane this week, which is that there's going to be a DC Multiverse 2-pack of White Knight, Batman, and Azrael in Batman armor. Uh, and Batman is not going to have his cape that that figure originally came with. And he's going to have a big old harness thing with some scabbards on his back and swords. And it's going to come with a big old flame effect stand thing. Uh, these look neat, uh, although it's it's basically me going, it's uh it's it's really just there. So we have a Batman we can easily get on that White Knight bike they revealed, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also based off a comic. It's based off the se yeah, sequel to White Knight. So yeah, which I do need to read. I loved White Knight. I just when they did a sequel and then turned it into its own subline, I I tuned out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's all the DC-focused news for this week. And then we had an absolutely massive Marvel Fan First Wednesday this week that was very hard for me not to just flood your Discord server with stuff from that I think you'll be interested in. So we're going to kind of go through things here as they're listed in the Toy Arc article. I didn't actually watch the live stream, so I don't know what order everything came in but uh first thing they showed was uh an in-hand product sa sample of the marvel legends sylvie and it looks basically the same as the last time we saw it maybe slightly more crisp face printing it looks like an okay um uh adaptation of the character it's it's not it's not a be-all, end-all, but it's a good placeholder for now until, like, five years from now, they come back and do a new Sylvie in, like, their, uh, something like their new Cinematic Universe line with all those multi-packs they're doing. Um, then we also got a nice little bit of, uh, information about toy production dropped on us, which is that Photo Realtek can now go into wide use among figures they can fit it in with which basically means for a very long time on marvel legends it's limited to just mcu stuff but it seems like they're going to start moving into using it on all the characters and i know there's a contingent of people out there who really don't like photo real face printing tech kind of stuff what's up matt cardona but i love I'm it i'm being hailed okay i'll be right back 
Okay. And would you look at that? I'm back. All right. Uh, Matthew Ringwald and Deanna Perrazzo are the uh, homecoming king and queen of Impact Wrestling. All right. Do you remember who Matthew Ringwald is? Vaguely. He's Aiden English. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he's wrestling again. He made his Impact debut. How nice for him. Mm-hmm. But no, as I was saying uh, before we got cut off, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like face printing. They they get really annoyed with the issues that come up with it from time to time with companies like Mattel. What's up, Matt Cardona? How's the death matches going for you? But to be honest, on most figures I get, face printing always looks amazing. I really like it. So uh yeah, if they wanna if they wanna expand it out into the rest of Marvel Legends line, I'm all for that. Um and then after that, they started revealing the wave that Sylvie belongs to. Disney Plus Wave 2, which is basically what if, and then also Sylvie is here. Um, yeah. So this contains major spoilers for what if. If you've been avoiding spoilers for what if, maybe skip ahead in the podcast to wherever the hell, because all these figures are technically spoilers. First one we see is, and this is your last spoiler warning, T'Challa as Star-Lord. And right away, I love the more cartoony aesthetic that, yes, is the aesthetic from the show, but this is a cartoony aesthetic we've never seen in Marvel Legends before. And it looks so crisp and so clean. And, like, I'm tempted to pick these figures up. Even though I don't do MCU Marvel Legends, I'm like... These look good enough to be comic legends. This, these look very much like the new merchandise house style. Yeah, it, it, like the evergreen kids toys should look like this. Yeah, because you look, go a little bit further, just kind of skipping ahead. The Spider-Man without the cape on just looks like a great cartoony Spider-Man. Because it's a mix of all his MCU suits with, a, with like, some mud on the boots and there's a blood stain on one of his legs. But you take that off and it's fine. Yeah, but going back, going back, going back. Uh, Ice yeah, no, Nebula? Yeah. Uh, Her hair looks like a 50s housewife. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's the kind of weird that makes me go, like, alright, I gotta know what's up with this episode of the show. Yeah. Um... Also, interesting that they gave her hair and they didn't give her, uh, what's her fucking name? The actress. They didn't give it her natural red hair color. I found that an interesting choice. Um, And then we have Captain Carter, who is probably my favorite of the wave. She's the one that makes me go, like, I kind of want to pick up this wave to fudge it in with my comic legends. Because, like... Man, I know it'll never happen, but I kind of want to I kind of want to have Peggy and Steve going on superpowered adventures together on the shelf at least. Yeah. That's adorable. It mm-hmm. looks really good. It looks really solid. Yeah, the the printing on the shield especially is super clean. They've come a long way with shields in Marvel Legends cuz there've been some badly painted shields. Um but uh, no, Peggy looks fantastic. Um and then you have Doctor Strange Supreme, who just looks like fucking Dark Knight Returns Doctor Strange. Like, he looks worn out as shit. I was about to say Dormammu Strange. Mm. Also, 
the chest emblem kind of reminds me of Iron Fist. I can see that. It reminds me like Baron Mordo kind of darkness because he's all purple. Yeah, maybe he's delving into the dark arts in this episode. Um, but then we have uh, what if Peter Parker was a magic person, I guess. Uh, it's called Zombie Hunter Spider-Man. Okay, so this is a Spider-Man that's in the Marvel Zombies episode then. Mm-hmm. And like we said, it looks really slick. You take off that blood stain and the mud on the boots, and this would be a great just give a kid a Spider-Man Marvel Legends. Oh, man, I hope to God that episode scars people. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will. It'll probably be like Civil War. It'll probably be like Civil War, but at the airplane fight, somehow just before their team cap gets turned into zombies, because we also have Zombie Captain America. Zombie Cap. One of the most popular Marvel Legends customs of the Toy Biz era is now an official figure in the Hasbro line. I immediately have one little concern. That's just a zombie. That's not a Marvel zombie. Yeah, I don't think they're doing Marvel zombies. I think they're just doing what if MCU characters turned into zombies. Because there's a difference between a zombie and a Marvel zombie. Because mm -hmm. a Marvel zombie, they know they're a zombie. They're conscious of it. They can talk and they hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, I fucking love all the unique sculpting on this. The, I think all these figures are unique sculpts. And on Cap, it's super apparent because this is World War II Cap costume. They could have easily just reused that figure. But no, there's all these new parts with like tattered clothing and exposed bones and shit. It's awesome. It looks great. And there's also like a hole in his leg. Yeah. Uh, but then we have the Build-A-Figure which is the perfect fucking choice for a what-if wave. Uatu the Watcher. It and looks yes, so good. And yes, yes, I was on r slash Marvel Legends. I saw everybody complaining, oh, it's not as big and bulky as comic book Uatu. I can't fudge this in with my comic book Marvel Legends. It's close enough. I'm, I'm going to track down a loose one. Shape. Yeah. Do you not remember the coming of Galactus? But he doesn't look like exactly like he did in the cover of Coming of Galactus, so he's not perfect. That's 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 enough. some Marvel Legends collectors, and that's my attitude with this thing. Thank you for saying that. This is good enough. I am going to, if not get this wave, at least track down a loose completed Uatu to put with my comic book Marvel Legends. Because there's a part of me that thinks this might be them sneaking in some base parts so they can later do a comic book Uatu, but like who the fuck knows when that's gonna happen yeah but Uatu looks good i like it and he looks he doesn't look cartoony enough to not fit in with the comic stuff mm -hmm. he's he got he's got the dead on face i love that they kept the super comic accurate face from guardians of the galaxy 2 um the, the, the one-sleeve robe is cool. I am a little concerned that that massive, that massive skirt is going to traffic cone him, but, like, also it's a Watu. I don't really need him to do anything other than stand there. Yeah, it, high kicks. No high kicks for Uwatu. Uwatu is not going to be doing your fucking Venusian Aikido. Um, but uh, then we, we have uh, Iron Man. Uh, the reveal of a deluxe figure. This is not part of the wave. This is a separate... Uh, $30 to $40, depending on where you go, release the Hydra Stomper. 
Iron Man. Because I know what this is based off. This is based off a what if comic from the comics. That's Iron Man. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be uh, Howard Stark in the Captain Carter episode. They said that. Because in the comics, this was... I can't remember if it was either Bruce Banner or... uh, No, it was Bruce, uh, Bruce Banner or Steve Rogers. I cannot remember. And also... Uh, neat thing about this figure and the Captain Carter figure, they specifically sculpted foot pegs and bars for Captain Carter to hang on to on the Hydra Stomper's back, because apparently there's a scene where she rides on its back in the episode, so you can pose them like that on your shelf. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's all the what-if stuff. I think it all looks very nice. I'm super tempted by it, but uh, I think I'm going to wait until the show is over to decide whether or not I'll put down a pre-order or try and hunt them down when they come out or just add them to my once list or whatever. Uh, Then they recapped how Galactus has gone so far, basically just imploring people like, hey, if you haven't backed already, go ahead and do that. And at the time, it had just passed 9,000 backers. Uh, And remember, the target is 14,000. And at the time of this recording, with 29 days, 23 hours, and 18 minutes left to go on Galactus, we are at 10,227 backers. Oh, yeah. Seems so to be on course. Well on track. Uh, and then we had a reveal of the next Walgreens exclusive, which is going to be Binary. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck is Binary, Boingo? If I remember right, this is definitely... You might know her as uh, Captain Marvel. Or uh, uh, Spectrum. It's Monica okay. Rambeau. Oh, this is Monica Rambeau? I think so. I think uh, this the, is... The bio on the back, because I just got to that stock image, says, An alien experiment conducted by the brood transforms Carol Danvers into binary, okay, a being a different... who can tap into unprecedented cosmic power. Yeah, it's Carol. Okay, so I was wrong. It is Captain Marvel, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just an older thing than... Okay. trying to remember. This might have been... Post Claremont, pre Miss Marvel and Civil War, so it's nineties. Yeah, I've not seen this costume design before, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say, not for me. Not outright bad, but not for me. However, it is neat that she comes with flame effects that we've seen a lot before, and two brand new flame effects. So, <laughs> if you're a figure photographer, this might be something to track down just for more flame effects to use. Um, but uh, then. They um, revealed a Target exclusive, which is going to be a solo release of the Spider-Man Homecoming Vulture with some updated sculpting, additional parts, and more accurate paint. Uh, Like, full-on, there's new lower legs on this figure to make it as accurate to the movie as humanly possible. And... Right away after showing, while they were showing this figure, they went out of their way to say, now guys, guys, just because we showed this, that does not mean Vulture is in no way home. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, People still go like, is he in no way home? Is he in there? I think this thing looks really nice. Um, I would be tempted to get it if I was an MCU collector. However... I'm really miffed about the fact that it doesn't come with a Keaton head sculpt. I yeah, feel like that would have topped it off real nicely. 
yeah, that's the only thing I'm going like, oh man, Michael Keaton head. That would have been great. Uh, did the, did the older Vulture have a Michael Keaton head? It did not. It was uh, it was an, a slightly inaccurate version of the helmet. I believe they updated the head a little bit here. Um, it does look the, like a really good Vulture though. And remember, that was also the first time where they did build a figure is the wings of a character. Uh, that was the that was the testing ground for what they just did with uh, Sam Wilson, Captain yep. America. Um, but uh, then they gave us an update on something they've been teasing quite a bit. Fan channel exclusive Tigra is now 100% a new body with alternate heads. It's going to have pinless joints, and it is on an Avengers retro card. Uh, and I'm just going to say it. I'm, I know next to nothing about Tigra, except that she has a kid with Hank Pym at some point, I think. He's a West Coast Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am not interested in this figure. That being said, it is the fucking best possible figure they could have made of Tigra, and I'm super happy for Tigra fans. It looks solid. Uh, and uh, final thing they revealed is they are doing a Pulse exclusive Black Hand Ninja Army Builder. Hell yeah. Um, which is a straight repaint, but it's a very appropriate straight repaint, and it's being re in released in a way that's really nice, doesn't take any spots away from potential figures, and allows you to order potentially even more of them than you did the Red Hand Ninjas. Because remember, these Pulse exclusive Army Builders. They're $15 instead of the regular $20 because they don't come with a Build-A-Figure piece. And they're online exclusive. And it's also no plastic whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I am I am super tempted to pick up two of these to, come, to go next to um, the, the free hand ninjas I already have. See, here's the thing. You can get a couple of these guys and have them work with your turtles. Because mm -hmm. they look like foot. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super... Super great. This was a jam-packed, really nice, fully loaded Marvel Legends fan fan first event. Uh, because usually it's fan first Friday, but now they're just doing them whenever they have time. Uh, and I I love it. I'm really excited by a lot of the stuff we saw here. However, with how much we saw here and how much they had been releasing up to this point, it leaves me wondering. All right, what the fuck are these guys going to do in September for PulseCon? It's uh, it's interesting, it's exciting, and uh, it's also the last of the toy news for this week. Yeah, 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 boy. All right, so how are we gonna how are we gonna tackle the comics we've read? Because you've read a lot less than I did. How many liked the back and forth concept we were doing? Um, how many did you read? Oh. Uh... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten? Ten bucks. Yeah, I read seven, so let's just go back and forth, maybe keep your X-Men stuff to the back, and uh, when when I run out, you can just go off roll, and then end the show. All right, so let's just go back and forth. So, do, 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 I read the latest issue of Daredevil. Okay. Uh, Matt's got sent to solitary confinement. Uh, because the warden hates him, um, uh, and New York is in lockdown, not because of COVID, but because there's a murdering psychopath with a sniper rifle up in a tower, killing people along the streets. Oh, yeah, I watched Off the Rack this week, so I know, I know what fucking Bullseye is getting up to. 
Yeah, 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 boy. Um, and uh, there's also actually a really sweet moment between Wilson Fisk and uh, um, Typhoid Mary, where where Typhoid goes like, "I need to go find him because it's our problem." And Wilson Fisk goes like, "I, I want you to stay here." Be- and she, be- uh, no, you can't go. And she goes like, "No, we are not doing this again. Trying to possess each other. If you want me to stay, ask." And he basically, and there's this beautiful image of Wilson Fisk actually being almost genuine of going like, I want you to stay here. And he, like, I don't want you to get hurt. Aww. It's genuinely kind of sweet. I love how much Vincent D'Onofrio's performance has done to make uh, Fisk get humanized a little more in the comics. Right. Um, there's a cool moment between Elektra and Spider-Man as Spider-Man's been like every day trying to find Bullseye to stop this. Because he's Spider-Man, of course he'd do that. And he runs into Elektra and goes like, Hey, you're Elektra. Uh, and he goes like, Alright, cool, we're both working on a Bullseye. We're trying to figure it out. Um, I haven't found him. None of the psychics have found him. Uh, and ba- Spider-Man goes, Okay, what are you going to do when you find him? And is it going to be the same thing that Matt Murdock would do? He doesn't say Matt Murdock. He says Daredevil, but like that kind of thing. Matt Murdock is in solitary confinement and a couple, a bunch of Guards are basically walking down there to fucking execute him on the warden's order because he pissed off the warden, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all the while, Electra is dealing with the, the ward she picked up and she's trying to help her out and all that kind of stuff. She gets an idea as Matt Murdock beats all the guards and starts walking towards the warden as Electra finds Bullseye on the, on the roof, starts fighting him and all that kind of stuff as it's revealed... There's not one bullseye. The reason he's been able to kill people and avoid detection, there's three bullseyes. There are free jokers. Yeah, but here's the thing. With bullseye, because there's not so much significance with bullseye other than he's a crazy asshole, it's a fine twist. Okay. Also, is, is like, Lady Bullseye one of them? Are we dealing with, like, pre-established characters? No, it's like three motherfucking bullseyes. It looks like he just cloned himself. Hold on, I'm sending through the page. So he's been in contact with the Jackal. Maybe, I don't know. It's just there. You think? Like, what Electra's, you think? what the fuck? They look the exact mean? same. Exactly! Zdarsky, how am I going to tell these motherfuckers apart? So also, question... they're stabbing her in the back. Mm-hmm. Question about this run overall. Do you think Electra's ward is going to stick around after this? Or do you think Zdarsky's going to kill her off to make a point and also say, nobody fuck with my toy? Zdarsky's not a fuck, don't fuck with my toy kind of guy. Okay. I, I think she'll she'll stay alive, but I don't know if anybody else will play with her. Because they've because he hasn't done a ton of stuff with her yet. Mm. You know? Makes sense. So, tell me about a comic you read this week. I read The United States of Captain America, number two. And, oh, hey, would uh, you look at that? I read that also. Yeah, my opinion on this is basically the exact same as the uh, the first issue, where I'm just like, some of this is a little heavy-handed for my taste, but the main story is okay. It's a perfectly serviceable Captain America story. The backup, though, that shit's fire. Oh, yeah, the backups are always great in this so far. I really dig it. I like I like the mystery of it all, and I like I like Sam and uh, Steve just trying to figure things out and all that stuff. I mean, even though it is pretty heavy handed, I I do love the full page panel of 
Sam throwing a crooked cop through through the doors of a police station. Oh yeah, no. It is it is oh hey, you don't like Captain America being political? Fine. Here, assholes. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, how how do we feel about uh god damn it, what's her name? It, of course I can't think of it when I need to ask the question. Uh Nichelle Wright. Yeah, how how do you feel about Nichelle? She's fine. Like she I I like the way she kind of described the the attitude of like the volunteer caps, which is what I'm kind of calling them now. They're volunteer caps. Mm-hmm. Um, of basically Steve and Sa- uh, Sam are going like, "Hey, look, we don't try to ignore people," and she goes like, "Look, I know you're Avengers. You save us from aliens and Baron Zemo. Like, I get it. You're helping all of us, but you can't be here to help hand out water." Mm-hmm. And someone also, needs to do that. Also, I really dig that there's, like, members of her community going, why the fuck did you put a costume on and get yourself in trouble? You were doing just fine before then. And she goes, because nobody else was going to fucking help us. It's very reasonable. It's a, it's a nice way of looking at it. It's it's a nice way of looking at, like, that aspect of Captain America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's your next book? Okay. Do-do-do. I read the last issue of Beta Ray Bill. How was the ending without too many spoilers? Uh, depressing. Sick. Um, it's mo- the most of this issue is just a badass fucking fight between, uh, Beta Ray Bill and Surtur. Like, it's just fucking some of the most beautiful comic book art you will ever fucking see. It is so damn good. How close to Ragnarok does Surtur look? Because I've never seen comic book Surtur. Uh, the big thing about this artist because this is daniel warren johnson is he has a very distinct style that doesn't look like anything else um but it's really good daniel warren johnson is uh like damn good comic book dude like i'm sending you just some pages he looks almost the exact same yeah mcu serta was pretty accurate okay but this most of this issue is just a brawl between those two beautifully drawn it is some of the best goddamn art i have seen in quite some time yeah this is pretty i don't know the rest of the book with how grungy it looked kind of turned me off but now that i'm seeing a more brightly colored issue i think i do vibe with this guy's aesthetic yeah yeah, yeah. it is very like it's hard to describe but you you know what he's going for it's you know what it fucking looks like you know what this issue in particular fucking looks like it looks like the new Motu show. Very much so. It's that kind, of, but it's that kind of like late '80s, early '90s weirdo magic sci-fi kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So Motu. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, these next two pages are like the really dope shit because uh, Beta Ray Bill just basically does a fucking pro wrestling move. Thank God. What's the, the second page is much more of the wrestle stuff. I, I'm interested. I, I, I can see that setup. Oh my god, he fucking AA'd him. He so AA'd good. him onto a fucking spike. That's awesome. And uh, the best fucking thing Executioner has ever gotten to do. Aside from introduce Dis and Troy. Oh, no. This is better. It is just one page, and it's all you fucking need for this. Because you'll know exactly what fucking happens later on. This is, like, 
I know you said you didn't vibe with the art. This is a miniseries. I definitely think you should try and read some of it. Because it's, it's short, it's simple, it would be a very quick read, but I love the art on this. What the fuck? That scuttlebutt, she turned herself into a giant fuck-off gun and told the Executioner, I need your services. And he's no, just crying, I get every, to fire the biggest gun. Every time I hear something about scuttlebutt, I just really, really feel like using that that... This episode, the writer's barely disguised fetish meme. Oh yeah, very much so. Uh, how much spoiler do you care about? I mean, I was more so saying big off spoilers for the listeners, but I, I don't care because I don't know when I'll get to this. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Beta Ray Bill gets the sword he was looking for to turn him back into a looking, normal-looking Corbinite. Good for uh, him. But he looks it in the window at the very end, the last panel... He looks in his reflection, and it's the big, ugly, fuck-off horse monster, because he looking normal wasn't going to fix his fucking depression. Mm. Metaphor, metaphor, rah, rah, rah. That's pretty good. Yeah, but that's it. That's pretty much it. All right. It's a damn good Beta Ray Bill book. Like, if you say, I want to I wanna know about Beta Ray Bill, here you go. Here's Beta Ray Bill. Okay. Well, shall I talk about the big bad book that got everybody talking this week? Go for it, bruh. Okay, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one, by Tom Taylor, with art by John Timms. Uh, so quick bit of prefix here. I will touch on all the individual things as we go, because I want to kind of give a proper recap of this for Boingo's sake. Um, but uh, a lot of people got really upset about this because it's a very socially and environmentally conscious book, and a, and a lot of those people didn't realize that it, or at least seemingly by their tweets, did not realize that it's not about Clark Kent, it's about his son. And they were going like, oh, they turned Superman into a freaking SJW thing. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, wow, Tom Taylor, one of the most socially and environmentally conscious comic book writers I know of, wrote an incredibly socially and environmentally conscious comic book. What a fucking shock. Superman was a socialist. Yeah. He killed, he like fought landlords. His biggest villain's a fucking billionaire. What a fuck you. What Superman have y'all been reading? They've been watching Man of Steel on repeat. That's not Superman. I know. That's Zod in a Superman costume. <laughs> Damn, dude. You putting it down. All right. All right. All right. All right. So this comic fucking opens with a bit of a retcon slash a fleshing out because, okay. John Kent is something that's been fucked with to high hell ever since it was introduced because originally it was oh it's it's in a it's in a convergence world so Superman doesn't have his powers and therefore he can fuck without us having to explain how Superman fucking a normal woman works and he has a kid now because of that and and then they they start bringing him into the new 52 universe after they killed off new 52 superman and they just slowly erode the existence of new 52 superman until post crisis superman has just always been there and he's always had a kid because shut up um and one one of the things this happened yeah and one of the things they changed over time was that uh Oh, I forget who it originally was, but somebody delivered John Ken. Oh, uh, fucking Thomas Wayne Batman during Convergence delivers John Kent. Um, 
after they got him into the universe proper and established him as the main Superman, they changed it to Superman himself delivered John Kent in the Fortress of Solitude. And the first few pages of this book is us fleshing out that day. And it opens up with Superman fighting an alien invasion in the in like space, like kind of just past the moon kind of kind of area of space. And John Stewart and John Jones show up and they basically go, dude, get the fuck out of here. You have more important things to do today. And he's like, but it's an alien invasion and I'm Superman and I have to stop it. And they're like, it's an attempted alien invasion. We'll fucking handle it. Just go. Um, and so he flies to the fortress and Batman is standing at the door and he's like, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm standing guard. And he goes, you know, there's a planetary invasion going on right now. And Batman goes, it's an attempted alien invasion. I'm I'm receiving updates. I can protect your family and the planet at the same time. And, and Superman goes, right, because you're Batman. And Batman smiles and goes, we'll keep the world safe, Clark. We know you have something more important to do. You should get in there. And they shake hands and Batman's and and. Superman says, thank you for being here, Bruce. And Bruce says, I wouldn't be anywhere else. And it's... I love bros, Superman and Batman. That's... We always need that. It's... It's... It's my... That moment is, like, the moment that made me go, like, all right, whatever else Taylor wants to do, I'm following this book till the end. Because this is... It's the first time ever i think that i've legitimately heard kevin conroy and tim tail tim daly as superman and batman while i was reading a comic like it's just how they were portrayed in justice league to a t you know what i just found out recently kevin conroy's gay is he i didn't know that yeah good for him the best batman's gay hell yeah good for him uh it was kaiser neko tweeted that you know who hmm. kaiser neko is dragon ball Vaguely. vaguely uh do you have any idea when he came out? No. I didn't look up to it. I look it up. I just was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'll look into that after we're done with the show. But Superman goes inside, and Wonder Woman is there comforting Lois as she's having major labor pains, and Kalex is buzzing around her going, we have to do this, this, and that, and then... Uh, and Superman's basically just like, well, both of you go away. Let me handle this. It's my wife. Um... And also, is no one worried about the alien invasion and Wonder Woman, because Rule of Freeze goes, it's an attempted alien invasion. But the birth of this child is the single most important event occurring today. Your son could be the greatest hero this world has ever seen. And Lois just chimes in with, can we maybe wait until he's breathing outside of an ambiotic sack before putting the weight of the world on his shoulders? So Wonder Woman leaves and there's a there's a little time skip and we see they've delivered the baby and, and Lois has a tear in her eye and it's it's very beautiful and wholesome. Uh but also we cut outside and Batman admits he ran genetic tests on the kid and he's like his unique physiology, he has the potential to be even more powerful than Clark. And Diana calls the kettle black and says you know bruce you have a reputation and it isn't helped by conducting tests on the unborn child of our friends i mean it's something bruce would totally do because in my head bruce did it because i want to make sure this kid is healthy and not and not gonna be 
suffering any problems because I don't want my friends to suffer. That's where Bruce's head was. I don't want my friends to feel bad. I want to make sure everything's good. And everybody else would just be like, what the fuck, dude? But the uh, the narration continues as we cut into the present and Lois is describing what this Superman has the potential to be. And uh, it's not just the meme. They update several classic Superman mottos. Uh, the first one we see being Wonder Woman describing Jonathan Kent Superman as faster than fate, as powerful as hope, able to lift us all. As we see John show up at a California wildfire and basically say to a bunch of trapped firefighters and some families, it's gonna be okay, we can fight this together, and start using his freeze breath as his narration picks up and he starts talking about like this isn't exactly like a fluke you know temperatures are getting hotter all over the world this this force hasn't been pruned pretty much ever it's a tinder box that was waiting for a spark but where's the spark and he uses his telescopic vision to locate somebody with human torch-esque firepowers who is freaking the fuck out because the U.S. military is trying to shoot him. And right. he intervenes and goes, Hi, I'm John. I know you're having a lot of trouble right now, but maybe we can, maybe we can talk. It looks like your powers are probably amplified by stress and anxiety, and seems like a pretty stressful situation. And it's basically a play on the fucking Superman helping the girl off the ledge scene. Where he's also like, a little bit like uh, the Batman in the Justice League thing with um, Ace. Yeah, and, and and he's like, let's let's just talk. And he and he hugs him, and and he calms down, and the fire starts dissipating. And he's like, all right, great, go with these people. They're not the most trustworthy, but they can help you better than I can right now. I'm gonna go put out the rest of the fire. Don't worry about it. And it's like, all right, okay, cool. And then the general that's there just hits the guy in the in his head with, with the butt of his rifle. And John is like, what the fuck? And the general basically justifies it by saying, like, look, he's going to start freaking out again if he sees all the damage he's caused. So we need him to be unconscious while we take him to a facility of some kind. And it's like, yeah, as the reader, you kind of get it. And John kind of gets it. But also... Look at these motherfuckers. They do not have the best intentions at heart. Yep. So John puts out the rest of the fire, and afterwards, he goes to Cordo Maltese and meets up with Damien. And uh, I'm assuming this is in the same continuity as the current Robin book. I've not read that. But Damien's got a bit of a different outfit, and he's also being drawn to be a bit older. Uh, when last I read anything with Damien in it, he was canonically 13. Here he looks 15 or 16 to me. John's supposed to be like 18, right? John is 20 because of time travel uh, bullshit. I understand the time travel. Fuck. Fuck Bendis. Yeah. But this is very much making the best out of a bad situation because they're close enough in age. They're still friends. And there's actually a joke at one point where Damien's like, you know, I'm your only friend outside of your family. Maybe you should try and have a bit of a normal life like your dad used to do you want me to set you up with a secret identity i can do that and he's like and john's like yeah you know what that'd be nice 
also, this whole thing happened that the readers just saw. What do you think I should do about it? And he's like, there's nothing you can do about it. Either the guy's safe and being rehabilitated right now, or he's being cut open like a frog. You just, you need to move on and also start dealing with bigger problems. And he's like, what do you mean bigger problems? Dude, you're your father's son, and you're more powerful than him. Look at that symbol on your chest. What do you want that to stand for? And that's where you get the thing that pissed everybody off. Truth, justice, and a better world. That also just flows better in the American way. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a part... There, the fanboy part of my brain, I get why people are upset about the change, because it's not classic, it's not the iconic thing you grew up with. But also... DC has been slowly moving away from the American way for like two decades now and just waiting for somebody to come up with a proper solution. And here it fucking is. It's perfect. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing people don't realize with patriotic characters. Marvel and DC have been trying to make them less overtly patriotic for years. Mm hmm I mean, Captain America's been having the same fucking problem since the 70s. Yeah. And really, all they have to do is make a good nomad costume. They did. It's in the. It's in Infinity War. Also, it's the. Uh, it's the. You could. You could kind of say that the super soldier costume is that at this point. Yeah. Um. But he says that, and he says, "I just want to help." And Damien says, "Good." And the final page is a shot of John flying above the Earth like Christopher Reeve Superman, with Damien's narration saying. It's time for Superman to stop fighting the symptoms. You're powerful enough to be the cure. So, this guy needs to go team up with Green Arrow? Kinda, yeah, but also just, like, this whole issue is just for new readers and old readers like myself who might have dropped off with John, reintroducing to you to him with his current status quo and establishing what John is about as a person and what this book is going to be about going forward. And it's everything I was fucking hoping for. I am so hyped for this book going forward. Every Super Family book right now is a banger, even if it's not particularly for me. What a time to be alive. Is Bendis still on any of the Super books? No, I think he left. Thank God. Yeah. I'm so sorry that DC felt like he could, they could go like... Because Marvel just drained all the creativity out of him, apparently. The sad part is, I, I'll still defend his early action comics. The stuff he was doing in action, which the, the John time travel fuckery was in Superman. But Bendis' early action comics was really good. You want me to tell you what happens in Eternals? I'll probably understand none of it, but go ahead. Okay, very briefly, last issue, uh, it's turned out that one of the Eternals, uh, Festus, uh, broke the machine that brought them back to life. So everything's acting weird and fucky. God damn it, um, Luke Gallows. Uh, and we open this issue with him bringing Thanos back to life, basically saying, like, I'm bringing you back to life. It is only temporary. You are a weapon. Do what I say. And Thanos goes like, all right, motherfucker. I'm thinking of how to kill you now, but I'll, fall, I'll play along right now. I'll play along. And we're okay. we, And we see the fight with Thanos as the machine is... Uh, starting to self-destruct as he's uh, as uh, Fastos realizes, oh shit, I really fucked up. It's the end of the world. Oh no. Uh, as we start seeing destruction in New York, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as the machine in its in its 
overloading teleports several of the Eternals to just various places on Earth. They're all fucked now. Like they, it's hard, they're trying to figure out how to get back to help. Icarus is fast enough; he can get there immediately and uh, help solve the problem. All that kind of stuff. As uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but the the bad evil Eternal who has mind control stuff goes into Festus's uh, Festus's brain. See what happens as Icarus does the self sacrifice thing and. Uh, absorbs all the power of the machine that it's letting off as uh as uh, festos goes like oh no i can i can totally deal with thanos i have a i have a kill switch uh i still don't understand uh you still don't understand to destroy thanos i just activate i activate oh i can't remember <laughs> with that face on the panel it should be a <laughs> meme of, oh i don't know how to kill thanos so they basically start interrogating him on, okay, why did you fucking break the machine? Why did you do it? And he says, because I realized the cost of our immortality. As Icarus starts coming back to life, his build, his body's re- being rebuilt. The machine in caption says, I breathe anew, I do what I must do. It is no small thing to recreate a being of such precision. Atoms dance in the ex- in exact time. Particles pr- uh, pirouette in perfect synchronicity. Eventually, there is Icarus, complete in every way but one. He lacks something. I acquire it. Icarus eyes. Icarus opens his eyes, alive again, and a young boy dies. The human boy that Icarus wanted to protect, the, the six issues, dies. That's how the Eternals come back to life. Every time they come back to life, they kill a human to take the essence of life and give it to the Eternal. That's fucking rude. Exactly. And all the Eternals go like, Fuck that shit! And because it's Eternals, they learned about this in the past and had their memories wiped. Aw. This has been a, this has happened several times throughout the years, throughout the millennia. And this is just the one time we're seeing it. And basically, Icarus and all the all the good Eternals go like, yo, this shit's fucked. Fuck this shit. I hate it. No, I don't want to do this. We like humans. They're cool. And so, they go down to the underworld to the land... Of the fucking uh what's their what are they called? To the land of the deviants. And they go and like the guard there's going like, oh no, it's the fucking eternals. Help, we need we guards. And Icarus just says, We come in peace, the changing people. We would join you. Help us be the changing people too. The eternals are rejecting the being eternals and we're trying to become deviants in order to not kill people. It's cool shit. Okay. Hell yeah. Want to tell me about a book? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Icon and Rocket, season one, number one. Uh, I picked this up because I, I've always liked the idea of Icon and Rocket, but I've never really read any of their runs, um, except for, like, scattered little bits here and there. Uh, and, uh... This turns out to be a great jumping-on point because it's a full-on retelling of the first arc of the original series. It's uh it's straight up just the origin, but again. Um and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They do a few little things here and there to update it. They make it a little more socially conscientious. Uh however, there's no suited action in this. This is entirely just establishing who Icon is and why Rocket gets interested in him. Because if you don't know, uh Icon is a spaceman who was shot to Earth uh, back in the fucking 1840s 
landed in America, and because of the way the ship worked, he was transformed into a black child when he was found by two slaves, and he was raised as the child of two slaves, uh, who eventually got their freedom during after the Civil War. Um, and he grew up to become one of the richest black men of all time, and and basically had kind of kind of like a uh, a Highlander thing going on, where he didn't live a public life, but he had all the means in the world to live this kind of extravagant private life. He has a really nice mansion in the middle of an otherwise completely rundown inner city neighborhood, and uh, some some kids were kind of like a gang but not really they're they're just in high school and they're all friends they decide to try and rob him for fun because they think they can get money for other nefarious activities from his house and they send the girl who will become rocket into doing it uh and uh right away he appears and it's just like what the fuck are you doing and they're like oh god somebody does live here it's not an old man it's a fucking buff dude in his 30s what are we gonna do and one of the kids pulls a gun and he's like son put the gun down i ain't your son a break-in is not a big deal but attempted murder is you're just going to hurt yourself and your friends i ain't gotta do a damn thing but you better stop trying to roll up on me force you catch before you catch some lead in your chest so what are you going to do? That's right. What am I going to do? Because I am going to get this gun. And I'm going to shoot. Don't delude yourself, you little fool. You can't even control your shaking hand, let alone what happens in this room. And he shoots Icon, and Icon falls over, and they're all like, dude, what the fuck did you do? We're all in so much trouble now. And then Icon just stands up and goes, obviously... You all have done something you shouldn't have done, period. And you really should not have done it to me. Because I very much value my privacy. So let's make a deal. And he uses his telekinesis and super strength to pluck the gun from the boy's hand and crush it in his own hand. And basically goes, you don't tell anyone what happened here today. And I don't press charges. Um, so is that a good deal? And they're all like, okay, except for the the girl. And he goes, what about you, young lady? How, do, how did you get mixed up in this? And she goes, I have no idea. And he goes, you need to figure it out. Fix your life. And she goes to school. She has a hard think about it the next day. She shows up back at his house and is basically like, so I thought about what happened yesterday a whole lot. And I can't help but want to criticize you. Because you're a black guy with all this money, you clearly have all these resources, and you're not using them. And he's going, I'm sorry, are you passing judgment on me when you're the one who broke into my house? And she, she goes, you judged us yesterday as well. We were just idiot kids doing something because of peer pressure, and you basically treated us like criminals. And he goes, like, that's fair enough. What are you proposing? And she goes, we're going to become superheroes. You're, you're going to be like Superman. I'm going to be your sidekick. And he goes, that's a terrible fucking idea. She's like, no, it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. And, and he's like, why the hell should I do it? 
because there's kids down on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard pushing drugs, and you could make them go away. And he goes, another group of kids would show up to take their place. And he goes, you get rid of them. And you keep getting rid of them until people would realize you can't sell drugs there because that's Icon's neighborhood and he doesn't like that. You can make this town a better place just by basically demonstrating your powers. You can be a force for good. And as he said, as she's saying this, we get a flashback to Paris in 1921 with, I'm guessing, a, uh, a former wife of his uh, basically telling him that he needs to be more active back then and him going, yeah, fuck, you're right. And and he says, all right, my name is Augustus Friedman. What's yours? I'm Raquel e Eveline. Okay, let's get started. And that's where we're left off. So it's it's fairly solid, but also it's extreme retread territory. Yeah, because if I remember the original Icon Rocket, that was just the entire first issue, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming they're they're doing this to make old readers comfortable, but also introduce new readers, and we're gonna diverge from here. So I'm gonna give this one more issue, but if it doesn't start like really grabbing me, I might go ahead and drop it. Um, is is the town there in Dakota? I think so. Let me quick go through the pages I saved again real quick, see if I can find it, because I know he lands in Georgia. Uh, I. Yeah. Oh, I think I didn't save the page with the establishing shot. Well, Dakota the, City. Uh, I have the page. I pulled it up. Okay, okay. Dakota City. All right. Well, since we're talking Milestone, why don't I talk some Milestone? I read issue one and two of Static. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, a little annoyed that I missed the launch of that. How is it? It's good. It. Hey, do you remember Static Shock, the cartoon? I remember, like, three episodes of the cartoon. It's a lot like that, but a little bit more uh, co uh, contemporary political uh, acknowledgement with uh, Static's power kind of being a tiny bit of an analog for anxiety. Um, so, basically, he, he hasn't turned into Static yet. He's not Static Shock yet. Okay. We're going very slow with all this kind of stuff. As um, we see the, the Hawkins Faust being uh, burned up by Hotshot. Remember Hotshot? He's the, the white dude with fire powers in the Static Shock TV show? I do now. Yeah. So uh, Static decides to use his powers the way he saw in a science experiment that he got to see earlier um, to basically encapsulate it and snuff out the fire. Uh, and his family's all there, so his family sees it. And his neighborhood's there, so his neighborhood sees that he has electricity powers. So he's going to be like a public figure kind of hero. I think it's going to be, I think it's the neighborhood is his Smallville, where they all know, and they don't say anything. Okay. As, uh, as basically, his dad and his mom are, like, basically having an argue, argument of, like, what to do with uh, uh, Virgil's powers. And, and not in a, oh, our son's a freak of nature, but in a, our son's a black man in America, and we both know how they treat black people in hospital if we bring our son with superpowers to a hospital he's just going to be a lab rat and we're they're they're having an argument of trying to figure out what to do and none of them are having any real good things to say about it uh, as virgil just basically goes to his room and just like 
he does that thing where everything is so stressful. You just lean back in your chair going like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, and then they bring up Icon and all that stuff. And then we see the next day as the like school reporter dude goes like, hey, so this one guy says uh, he fought the fire dude with electricity powers, but he hasn't shown them yet. And uh, I have some rumors that you, uh, you kind of have powers. And so he... So Virgil shocks his phone to eliminate all the data and just goes like, hey, dude, just leave me alone. As he's skateboarding around uh, the city, he calls up what's basically Milestone Iron Man, who just got framed for, like, tech fraud, corporate espionage kind of thing. And he's, like, starting to go on the run, starting to build his suit. And goes like, hey, Virgil, uh, not the greatest time, but I'm here to help, all that kind of stuff. Uh, hey, if you need anything, I have a storage locker here. It has tech and stuff. You can uh, you can raid it. You can use it for what you need until uh, until something better happens. As we basically get some more information about the the Big Bang, about other characters from Classic Milestone, first showing of Holocaust, who was a Classic Milestone character, all that kind of stuff. As Virgil uh, shows up to the storage locker to see all this tech and stuff, as the cops show up, thinking he's the dude who owns the storage locker. And that's where we end the book. Sounds interesting. You know, I guess this is kind of for both our books that we just did. Milestone is one of those things where it's like, yo, I love DC, but I don't really fucking know shit about that. And I don't know if I want to know shit about that. Like, it sounds cool, but it also sounds like a chore. So, like, both of these are like, this is interesting, but it doesn't feel like it's for me. It feels like it's for people who read Milestone back in the day. It's for people who read Milestone. It's people who were interested in Milestone. It's people who think Milestone was a really cool thing. Which, if we're being completely fair and honest, isn't for people who look like us. <laughs> it wasn't written for us. Yeah. It was written for the way who the creators wanted to write the comics for, which was black kids. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly valid. That's perfectly fine. Not every comic has to be written for me. It's just, you know, if it's not, if it can't really hook me... I'm not going to keep up with it. Which is a fair enough statement, but like, I enjoyed it enough, I'm going to try and keep up with it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I said, I, I do want to give Icon and Rocket one more issue. Icon and Rocket's always been really cool, because it's basically, what if Superman, but kind of conservative? Because mm -hmm. that was a big thing with Icon and the original Milestone stuff, was like, he was kind of a conservative black man. That was the, the hook of the character. Yeah. And and Rocket's like pushing him to be more progressive. Um, and I, ironically, the the most exposure I've had to Eater character is uh, Rocket in season two of Young Justice. Yeah, like apparently in the Milestone book, it ends with Icon going like, "Hey, I wasn't Icon. You were Icon all along. I'm going off to my home planet now." The real Icon was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Hey, you want to tell me about a book? Uh, yeah, I read Batman, Secret Files, Huntress, One-Shot. Uh, and I'm just going to be perfectly honest and upfront. This this book was a bunch of bullshit that I didn't understand because it's a tie-in to what's going on in Detective Comics right now, and I didn't realize that. I thought it was just going to be a nice new advent adventure with the, the Huntress, but no, it's like weird continuity bullshit. There's some new villain... With some kind of weird, like, zombie COVID STD disease that it's spreading around. And Helena gets infected with it, but because she gets to the office 
gets to the hospital soon enough, they're able to mitigate the infection and she can use it as like a superpower to track the villain and try and outsmart him. And it just leads back into the next issue of Detective. So it was like, great, I'm lost at the beginning of the issue and I'm left in the cold at the end of the issue. Cool. Yeah. Honestly, it's my own fault, but also just, well, that was a waste of 20 minutes reading this. So do you want Ching chi or Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, what, what is, uh, what, what is Pete up to this week? Oh, Pete, Pete, Pete boy, we're still in the middle of Sinister War. He's fighting some Sinister baddies. Oh no, it's going all wrong. Guess what? Mysterio, say, uh, he's trying to protect Mary Jane Watson. It's really cool. Cool. As, uh, we're doing all that kind of stuff. We, we jump back to Harry Osborne. He's still in jail. He's, he's lamenting all the stuff. They realize that the jail is open. All that kind of stuff. Does he just like, is it like fucking uh, Black Widow? He just pushes on the door and it opens? No, it's more of like a psychological prison and realizing something is like, something is like, it opens. It, it just like, it opens on its own. It was locked before. I don't know what is, what's going on here. That's a little as, silly, uh, but all right. As Mysterio is talking to Mary Jane Watson, uh, basically Mysterio disappears and then... The, the big bug dude that's been Harry Osborne, the demon dude, I can't remember his name right now, with all the millipedes, uh-huh. shows up in front of Mary Jane, uh, Mary Jane Watson and just goes like, hey, I'm a, I'm a remnant of one more day. Y'all fucked up. That's it for this issue. So, so, so real talk, Spencer. Are you undoing on one more day or what? I don't, I kind of think it's, I kind of think it's, he's basically planting all the seeds. So it can definitely be undone, but he's not undoing. I think it might be. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But I'm looking at your list because I got your list now. (sighs) I I have a space for you to put your list as well. Um, Do you you want me to talk about Shang-Chi and we can just go full X-Men? Yeah, why don't you talk Shang-Chi, then I'll do all my X-Men and you can do all your X-Men after that because my stuff is a little bit before your stuff, right? Yeah. So remember, Shang-Chi is fighting the Marvel Universe. He's he's running into a bunch of different people to show off how cool Shang-Chi is. Also, we're meeting his family again. Yes. Uh, we're on Loch Ness, but it's not Loch Ness. It's a little bit different. It's a different... What the lo- fuck is Loch Ness? Loch Ness! Like, it, wait... It's is in lo- fucking Scotland! Loch Ness is an actual place? I thought Loch Ness was just what they named the monster. Ness is the name of the lake. Lake in Scotland is called a loch. Loch Ness Monster. Wow. Okay. Despite watching multiple documentaries on the Loch Ness Monster growing up, I have never had that explained to me. What the fuck, History Channel documentary makers? Hold on. I may be... I may be misremembering something. Hold on. No, it is Scottish. Because, uh... It's weird. But, uh, you think that would be like the basic thing at the front of all of those documentaries? I'm but, uh, really fucking annoyed about these documentaries. I haven't seen it like 15 years now. Yeah. What is a loch? A loch is I the Irish, Scottish, Gaelic, and Scots word for lake. Okay. Uh, it's a congruent with the Manx loch, Cornish loch, and one of the Welsh words for lake, illoch. All right. Uh, so yeah, Loch Ness, Loch Ness. Uh, but uh, a lady with uh, a rice hat uh, is playing a flute and traps the the monster 
and saves the peep to Taurus that anger the monster. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Now we're in Chinatown, New York, as uh, Shang-Chi and his family see a fucking viral video on YouTube. And it looks like their long uh, sister, their long forgotten sister, who basically said, hey, we should be good people, like Shang-Chi is saying we should do now. So Shang-Chi's going like, yo, a sister who thinks like me? Hell yeah, let's bring her in. And her and his brother and other sister are going like, no, we kicked her out. But Shang-Chi goes like, yeah, you kicked her out for doing the things I'm doing right now. We can bring her back in. It's fine. And they're going like, tradition. But fine, whatever you say, because you're our leader. Um, as they get to the lake and they see, uh, they find her. They and all that kind of stuff. And basically, she is uh going like, oh hey, you're the fucker who tried to kill me, dude with sword. Uh, fuck you. I'm gonna kill you. Because I don't want to go back to there, and I don't want to die. And so they start a fight, and Wolverine shows up and goes like, Hey, she's a mutant. She, I'm coming here to protect her and bring her to Krakoa if she wants. Remember, they only have to come to Krakoa if they want to come to Krakoa. Sure. So Shang-Chi and Wolverine start having a little bit of a fight, and uh, Wolverine goes like, Yo, motherfucker, you've turned sides? Who are you working for? Friends of Humanity? Xeno? Sapien League? Are you part of Orcus now? And Shang-Chi's going like, no, this is just family business. She's my sister. And um, <laughs> Shang-Chi's younger half-sister goes like, this is just like you people butting into our business. And Shang-Chi goes, Sister Dagger, let's ease up on that you people talk. <laughs> and Wolverine just goes like, nah, my people's exactly why I'm here. And he goes like, yeah, no, she's a mutant. She's welcome on Krakoa, all that kind of stuff. And Shang-Chi just basically goes like, pushes Wolverine in the fight and he almost falls off a cliff and then he saves him and goes like, yo, I would have survived, but it would have hurt. Thank you. And now that there's a second to talk, the sister asks Shang-Chi, what the fuck are you doing? And Shang-Chi goes like, yo, I'm doing the things you wanted to do to the family years ago, but I'm in control so we can actually do it. Do you want to work together? She goes like, hey, Wolverine, I appreciate the invite, but I want to work with my family. And Wolverine goes like, all right, cool. Gate's always open. You're welcome anytime you want. So now the, the family's all together and all that kind of stuff. As she's sleeping in the, 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 the whole place. And then a dude comes in. We don't see who it is. He has magic. Uh, and he goes like, I, I, I brought a proposal. Sometimes reforms aren't possible, Sister Staff. Sometimes it must all be burned to the ground. So we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on there. And the next issue is... Uh, uh, Shang-Chi versus Fantastic Four. Hey. So X-Men, X-Men, saving the day, saving the day. Is that how you think this works, Gal? Because everybody's I, got a different take. I, I just know X-Men, X-Men. Coming your way! That's one line I think everybody can agree on. But tell me about the three X-Books you read, because I can see what they are. Alright, I read, uh, I read uh, Swords, number three. Uh, You're still a- in King and Black, aren't you? I think this is just post King and Black. Um, this is uh, a focus issue for a character who I had never really known anything about before, and because they barely say his name in the issue, his name didn't stick with me. It's the teleport Aboriginal guy, Manifold. Manifold. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically just showing like him going around through different dimensions and stuff, interacting with his family a little bit. Uh, trying to strike up a deal for sword with a uh, a a bipedal alligator people race and realizing that these people are fucking crazy and we shouldn't be dealing with them. 
And then uh, he goes to check in with their contact at Alpha Flight and finds out, oh no, he's working with Orcus. I better go fucking, fucking talk to Brand about this. And that's the issue. It was okay. Yeah. Teleporting is a bad way of describing his powers. Okay. Because the better way to put it is like he just talks to the universe. Like he doesn't just go from place to place. The universe goes like, oh, hey, mate, your friend. All right, cool. You want to go here? All right. Let me get you. Let me just grab you and put you right there. Okay. That's why he can make little mini dimensions and pockets and stuff. I see. But then I read the thing you, you had been hyping me up for this entire time. X-Force number 17, a.k.a. Kid Omega gets good. It's 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 so good. It's so perfect and wholesome. Like, legitimately, I have loved this relationship since day one, and this is, like, the apex of it so far. Um, legitimately, I don't... They're, they're definitely not waifu level for me, but the, the cuckoos are fucking based top-tier babes in the Marvel Universe to me now. Um, I hope they both... Uh, the, the two of them who are in relationships with X-Men, I hope their relationships continue to be happy and healthy for many years to come, editorial. Yeah, but no, like, all the shitting on Kid Omega before this issue just makes this all much more worth it because he realizes, I've been kind of a piece of shit. Maybe I don't want to be a piece of shit. It's justifying all of the shitting on him up till this point as like a almost useless side character is to justify this issue where he finally, like literally as Phoebe says, he, it is Phoebe, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Phoebe says, Cause, you cause need to be is the one who dates cable. Yeah. It's me. Phoebe says you need to be less kid and more Omega. And that is exactly what happens in this issue. And I love his new X-Men suit. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's maybe a little too simplistic for my taste, but it is really good. And it's going to make for a quick and easy Marvel Legends someday. The psychic glasses help it so much, though. That's true. That's true. And then I read Excalibur. What, what number is this? Excalibur number 18. Uh, which is basically just, oh god, what the hell is up with Betsy? What are we going to do about this? Everybody please lay off of us. The issue. Um, because you basically go through the ringer here with Rogue saying, she's my friend and I want to help her, but I don't know how to help her. She kind of just needs space right now. And then Emma goes, yo, the Quiet Council really needs Captain Britain. Can we please talk to Captain Britain? And, and Rogue goes, no, fuck off. And then... Um, you get fucking uh, Brienne shows up, and he's like, I demand to talk to my sister. You can't really talk to your sister, dude. She's kind of going through some shit in her head right now. She sneaks off in the middle of the night, and uh, she's getting up to some shit on Krakoa, which leads to the end of the issue. It was really good. I liked all the characterization throughout this. It's just, you know, it's it's very simplistically just hitting some beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the next couple issues of Excalibur really dive into that. Uh, especially the one with uh, Kwan, I think that's beautiful issue. Yeah, I, I've heard spoilers for that issue, so I am looking forward to reading it. So, uh, how about Wolverine? Sure, is he still hunting vampers? No, he solved that problem. Good. No, right now he's on Magipore. He's uh, researching uh, and uh, investigating the burning of the um, Marauder. Ooh. So he's he's busting heads in Madripoor. Emma Frost shows up and goes like, "Hey, that's my boat. 
Uh, I want to help too. So let me read some minds and find some information. All right, they find some information. They go and uh, rough some people up to figure things out. They uh, they talk to a guy and go like, "Hey, give us some information. Uh, we'll give you some Krakoa drugs to help you out because he's all burned and fucked up." And the guy goes like, "All right, cool. I got some information. There was this big dude. He had this mask. This is what it looked like. Go find them." So Wolverine goes back to Krakoa, goes through the database. Turns out the person who owns that mask is an Araco mutant. And on Araco, he was a pirate. So he is now on Earth, full of fucking treasure. He's just going like, fuck, I'll just plunder and steal everything. <laughs> this is great. Because everybody's soft here. It's easy. So Wolverine goes to the pirate island, and it's like full-on water world. Like, it's not even... I'm not even joking. It's, it's like a bunch of wrecked ships on an archipelago that a bunch of fucking modern-day pirates are just camping out on. It's like, remember Tortuga in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Uh, but a couple people are doing water jousting. Like, they have uh, jet skis and giant lances, and they're just, like, jousting that way. Uh, the, the picture I'm sending you, because I'm sending you a picture, is of uh, the opening shot of the location. Yeah. Hold on. It's coming. You'll see it in a second. Oh, Lord, uh, it's coming. There it is. See what I mean? Oh, that's it's not like, uh, that's not Tortuga. That's the, uh, that's the Captain's Cove, I believe it's called. The place from the third movie where they, where they elect the Pirate King. Yeah, but it's also, it's like Waterworld. It's just a really cool pirate location. Mm-hmm. It's very so he just so joust the big mutant that did the, did the stuff. Uh, they both fall into the water as, um, they're getting attacked by sharks, and uh, the dude goes like, "You know what? I'm honorable. I guess we both lose." So they have a they have a drink. They they go back to the bar and they go like, "Okay, so what's going on here?" He goes like, "Yo, I'm a pirate. Uh, I fucking uh, plunder and murder and does all that kind of stuff." And Wolverine goes like, "All right, cool. That's fair. I'm just trying to figure out what happened to the ship." And he goes like, "Okay, yeah, blah blah. Uh, okay, I'll give you information. This this little one makes me laugh." Uh, well, it's going to take a few out more hours and gallons of whiskey to get through that story. So far, the whiskey ain't bad. Keep pouring. I'll keep listening. The reason I was bored on the Marauder is the same reason I lost my nose. The character doesn't have a nose. He has, like, a thing covering it up. Stolem fucked me. And then we see this character, and that's the, the bad guy for the arc. Well, that sounds pretty boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a neat, cool, fun, rough-and-tumble Wolverine. So I'm going to tell you about Cable. So we, so we're in limbo. Cable's fighting strife. They're going back and forth as a uh, young Cable comes in with a sniper rifle, and Cyclops is there shooting at strife and all that kind of stuff. And strife is just the whole time making jokes. The rest of the crew shows up and fights, and uh, Cable's girlfriend's there, and she just goes, ah, "I hate guns. They're so human." And then he, then Deadpool shows pushes her out of the way and goes, "Look out!" As someone stabs a knife into his brain. Uh, as Deadpool just looks, go, turns around and goes like, maybe this fight isn't for you. As Deadpool's oh. just a cool, sweet dude. As uh, she starts to fight Strife, as uh, she goes into his brain, as Strife goes like, ah, psych bitch, I'm psychic too. As they ha- as he wins the psychic battle. And uh, older Cable just keeps, uh, goes on the attack. As uh, young Cable and her have like a little sweet moment, and he goes like, can I tell you something? I never knew what you saw in me. 
at first I thought you were just trying to piss off Emma. And she goes like, that's kind of it. Scott and Jean were worried about, worried you were too good to be true. They gave you passing grades, but they wondered if they missed something because they wanted it too. Scott asked Emma if she could do anything, if she thought you could be strife. We, you were watched by a telepath every moment, awake or sleep. We were never supposed to tell you that you were, uh, tell you that you you were a mission but i don't care anymore after our first date i knew you were just a dumb boy and i like that think s me that means a lot they kiss and young cable goes like all right i gotta finish that that's not me and it doesn't have to be anybody's future as he just goes on the warpath as s me and gene have a beautiful moment as gene just goes like i have you take a breath let's help the boys finish this as Esme's crying a tear goes like they can't handle it without us. It's just like summer's boys needs their girls, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. As uh, they're trying to disrupt the thing, Gene and Esme break strife psychic stuff as Cable and Cable just show up, shoot the fuck out of him. And Strife goes like, ah, ah, I'm smart. Krakoa is for all mutants. I'm a mutant. I should be allowed on Krakoa and have my sins forgiven. And Cable and Cable just look at each other and go like, my ears are ringing. You hear what he say? My ears are always ringing. I think he said make it quick. And they just shoot him. (laughs) As Deadpool just shows up and goes like, yo, what's up? I'm Deadpool. Did you bring a shop back? Just fun trying to lighten the mood. Cable helps out the, the robot dude. As young Cable and Esme have like a beautifully tender moment looking at the sunset, and in the captions to say, "And I got one more sunset. I'm glad it was a good one. I need it to last me a long time. I wanted to tell her whether I had screwed up by coming back here, if it was all worth it because of her. But I kept quiet. I didn't want to make it harder on her when I was gone. As he is sent back up to the moon, as he says goodbye to the rest of the Summers family." As Scott says, what do we do to win? Cable goes, whatever it takes. You make me proud at any age. Go give him hell. As Wolverine shows up with a six-pack of beer to Scott, I call in the marker uh, Logan owes me from our fight back in the quarry. Logan's had enough hard goodbyes to last ten lifetimes. He'll help them get through it. As he shows up to Cable, Cable rips off his old cyborg arm, puts a new one on that looks like classic cable it's the silver rings and he just goes no future talk don't ask me anything go back do what you have to do as young cable goes i know i have decades of fighting in front of me i just want it to mean something i wish i had more time can i ask one more question cable goes like no seriously you don't even you don't even know what i was gonna ask as cable goes if you want to know if krakoa is forever if you'll see her again if she want, appears to be an older Esme, shows up with the same necklace and just goes like, go easy on the kid, old man. He's got a soft spot in my heart. Have fun dying. I always do. See you on the other side. As Fucking basic- show me. Okay, here's the page because it's only one page. And I don't know if it's like... What the whole fucking deal with it? I don't know if it's from the future. I don't know if it's a different time. What is this it is. the end of the series? This is the end of this version of ca- this is this cable for in the end of this cable season series. Damn. We get this this thing because I think that looks like an older Esme, but I don't know how much older. I don't know if it's a different timeline. I don't know if it's in the future. I don't know what's going on with it. I'd say late thirties, early forties. 
as basically young Cable gets sent back to the future to bum, fight the war bum, against bum, Strife. Bum, ba, da, da, bum, bum, bum. As all the families who had their mutant babies kidnapped realize that they're now the happy parents of twins. Man, that's like, I. Uh... I really like it, but it also really fucking annoys me because I kind of just wanted Teen Cable to be a thing forever. Yeah, but like it's so it it's so well written. The end of Teen Cable, like they do everything, they like wrap everything up. It's bittersweet. It's so bitter. It's so bitter because you just go like, no, stay here, be happy. But that's not what Cable does. He's not allowed to be happy, you know. Yeah, he's fucking Batman. <laughs> And then I read uh, issue seven of Sword, because we're in Annihilation, as we see uh, Hulkling uh, on uh, the planet formerly known as uh, Hela, fighting with Last Guardian. They're fighting, uh, they're fighting the Mindless Ones. As we jump back to Araco, you know, the planet of Mars, huh? as Doom is having a nice cordial dinner with Storm. As Doom goes like, I'll admit, when you agreed to this meeting, I was not expecting to be provided with dinner and such a breathtaking surrounding. And basically, they're just, it's very, like, very high-tension conversation um, of, like, well, I don't open my mouth plate for anybody. It's really good food. Would, uh, would it be rude of me to kidnap your chef? What the fuck, Victor? Storm just goes, an act of war, but an understandable... Uh, all this kind of stuff. And they just basically have a back and forth conversation and goes like, you know what? It's, it's nice to see you be a uh, queen of your own thing instead of just a king's wife talking about uh, T'Challa and goes like, Victor, do you really want to discuss our respective marriages so soon? Shitting on the recent doom marriage and all that kind of stuff. Fucking Hickman didn't write the city. No, but like. Is Hickman just running a fucking Mean Girls table of writers fucking shitting on Dan Slot? Because I'm I, here for that. Uh, but basically, we see more of uh, the fight of Annihilation against Dormammu as a uh, Last Guardian gets hit by dual eye lasers. Everything looks hopeless. Doom is having ice cream. Uh, Storm is eating the Japanese dongle. They're having dessert. And it's, they're being very, very cordial, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Doom is just basically playing laying out some of the things of what like he's concerned about abigail brand basically was like hey storm we need your help uh things are happening in space and he goes she goes like all right cool we i need to take care of doom uh and doom goes like you clearly need the knowledge no i offer it gladly noblesse oblige and after i have taught you once doom has saved you from yourselves we will discuss how Araco pays its debts and storm just goes like well, Victor, since we stopped discussing metaphors, she just brings down a giant bolt of lightning and goes, Playing with your opponent's rules can create good impression. Refusing to play their games at all creates a better one. Dinner is over. Brandy and cigars will not be served. And while I thank you for your generous offer to help us learn to crawl, it comes late. We are already flying. Do we have more to learn? Of course. For we have always been a school. Uh, but why would we need you to teach us, Victor? With all that is in your on your hands, all that you can be laid at your door, why would we need you? As we head into space, as Abigail Brand brings the cavalry and helps out, and uh, Manifold basically teleports the king of uh, the Kree Skull Alliance away as uh, Abigail Brand and the mutants start wrecking some shit. And that's Ward, and that's all the books I read. All right. 
Well, quick update from earlier in the podcast. Uh, I went to Kevin Conroy's Wikipedia page. Apparently, he's just always been gay. Like, he came out when he was younger, and uh, it's never really been, like, a big deal. There was never a Kevin Conroy comes out as gay big moment in the geek world because he was gay when he started voicing Batman. That's sick. Or Batman. Oh, man, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Also, apparently, when... I knew he went to Juilliard, but he went to Juilliard with Robin Williams and Kelsey Grammer. I just found that out. I'm like, that's a fucking sick class to be in. Hell yeah. So, do we have anything else comic book-wise to talk about? Uh, no, I think I'm good for this week. So then, do you want to talk about your shit? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very solid, um... I'm occasionally having large artifacts in it, but that's just because I'm eating a lot of corn lately. Um, it uh, it comes out pretty smoothly these days, though. Uh, did you uh, did you want to know anything else specifically? No, I could just leave it at that and just not let you plug your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing I'm perfectly capable of doing. I know you are, but uh, if anybody wants to check out my work, I'm a YouTube toy reviewer, one of 1,000. You can find me at YouTube.com. Slash the Vacuuminator, uh, I have just done a review of two Power Rangers Lightning Collection figures, the Dino Thunder Red and Blue Rangers, uh, apparently that fucking blew up and became my most popular video in a while, because it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's almost like I have a lot of Power Rangers fans subscribed to me or something, but, uh, if you want to dogpile in on that video, help it out in the algorithm a little bit more, please do, uh, and also follow me on Twitter to hear me talking about anything and everything at the Vacuuminator. And follow me on Instagram for daily action figure photography at the underscore Vacuuminator. All right, then. Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Boinger, writer Gasson. I make a variety of things, including but not limited to video essays and editorials and other such content, some of which will be announced soon. Hopefully. Oh, God, I hope. Uh, if you want to see some I do on Twitter... At Boingo underscore writer, you'll get a brief hint of some things I'm doing. Uh, if you want to see me on Instagram, I'm Boingo underscore writer. Same thing. Oh, would you look at that? And if you want to see me on YouTube, just look up Boingo writer. Quick, easy, efficient, free. And check out Buster's stuff over at the Buster Core YouTube channel and on Twitter at Bluey Buster Free. Hell yeah, hell yeah. But in the meantime, hey, did you enjoy this podcast? Are you listening on YouTube? Like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, hey, follow us there. Do the things. It we have a bunch of o- out. We have a bunch of other podcasts, such as MMWP, where we talk about pro wrestling. Modular Components, where we talk about ourselves and our shitty lives. And Twit, where Vac and Buster talk about tokusatsu. Hell Isn't yeah. that fun? Sentai is back from hiatus this week. I'm excited. But in the meantime, we don't have anything else to say about comics. Do you have any soapboxes? Uh... I don't think so. All right, then. Enough said.